distance In existence Join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics And have a pass and match this Here's how we practice The lost art of conversation David Jason Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum This is John Elliott And this is Patrick Ricardi And this week we're doing Top or part two of the top 100 t- television characters of all time, according to us. According to us, and uh, and I think I mean I think we have the best top 100 list probably ever put together of anything. I'd agree with that completely. So yeah, now we're into the top 50. So forget about that bottom 50. Yeah, just Who delete needs... that episode from your memory. Yeah, nobody needs those Crap. characters. <clears throat> it's easy to make it in the bottom 50 or something. I do it all the time. But these are the top 50. And uh, I guess we'll start with... This one's going to be a bit different because we had a, uh, a lot of characters we both chose on this episode. Um, so it's not going to be just straight me, my pick, your pick. But uh, we'll start with... This is kind of this is kind of both of our picks um, that, was, that was chosen uh, to replace one of my picks. Uh, so I'll do it. It's uh, Ilana and Abby from uh, Broad City. Broad City, yeah. And we put them together because you can't really take them apart as characters, I don't think. No, no. The, yeah. Because they, they feed off of each other. Yeah, and they're they're both so so different and yet and yet similar in in certain crucial ways that yeah, it's it's impossible to rate one over the other. Um, and as we talked about before, just a hilarious show. Second season, kind of up and down, not as great as the first one, but still great. Yeah, and I, I look forward to the third season, so. Yeah, I look forward to everything they do. Um, Alana is much more of a uh, free spirit. Abby's a bit more uptight, uh, but, they're, but they're both supremely fucked up. And, and they get extremely fucked up. And they constantly get extremely fucked up and uh, I liked what they did especially this second season with uh with Abby's crush on the the neighbor guy <laughs> and kind of got rid of it yep they they ended it which was good yeah I, I think so I think that ended it in a really <laughs> uncomfortable way as well yeah instead <laughs> because instead of dragging it out and making it so they're always uncomfortable with each other and it's, it made it it cut him down into being kind of a dick yeah. With with his own weird fetish type stuff and yeah. Yes. Uh yeah, Abby and Alana had to be on the list and they were uh, um something we thought of at the at the very last minute. So uh, You know how they're remaking Ghostbusters? Yeah. How about Ghostbusters with with Alana Glazer, Abby Jacobson and Jenny Slate? That would be a movie I would see 100% as long as they could write it as well. I can I can see them acting well with someone else good writing it. Yeah, I don't know who's writing the new Ghostbusters, but yeah, it's it's a big mess. The new Ghostbusters. First, they said it's going to be the 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 all uh, woman cast, and now it's going to be well, there's going to be that, and there's also going to be another a new another another uh, remake at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. What the hell, man? 
Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's because Dan Aykroyd has these ideas and he wants his original ideas to be made, but nobody really else wants that. Yeah, no, nobody, not even Donna Dixon wants that at this point. That's weird. Um, I, well, I know Paul Feig's attached in some capacity, right? Yeah, I thought he was writing and directing. I, so I it could be good. I mean, yeah, I like him, but yeah, Abby and Alana and Jenny Slate would have been much better. Oh, they have announced a real cast. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think Melissa McCarthy's in it, right? Yeah, Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon. I have to see who Leslie... I don't know who Leslie Jones Leslie is. Leslie Jones is either. Um, nope. Uh, do you know Kate McKinnon? Yeah, she's from Saturday Night Live. Oh, I just read about her. She did Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I don't I don't know those two, but Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy are funny enough. Yeah, yeah. But no, my idea would be better. It would. What do you got for 49? Oh, I forgot we were doing an episode about the top 50. Raylan Givens from the show Justified. The character created by Elmore Leonard. Kind of a... Uh, it, the original characterization in the book is a little bit different than the TV show, but I think the t- I think the changes that were made for the TV show are improvements. I think Ollie Fent does an awesome job as Raylene Givens, and it's a great character. Yeah, and I've only seen season one, but uh, I generally like him and stuff. Yeah, I think you didn't, especially like oh, I have two in a row accidentally. I have a bunch in a row. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, you didn't especially like season one, but I think you'd agree that he did a good job in that character. Yeah, he did. And I just realized uh, somebody I picked got cut out somewhere, somehow. Um, Ooh. So I'm a, Al Swearingen. It reminded me because he was on Deadwood. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, all right. You know what? Just let's just say Al Swearingen's on this list somewhere. Uh <laughs> I, I don't know how to, we did so many last minute uh, adjustments. I don't know to, how that happened. Well, that's your fault. Uh, I, I don't think it is. I think it's probably yours, but uh, because you have three in a row here. So, uh, but I'll swear engine honorary member of the top 100. Yes. All I don't right. know who, what happened, how that happened. But anyway, so now we talk about Fry from Futurama. Yeah, which I will say is I'll swear engine. Okay. Fine, let's go to Lou Grant. And I'm <laughs> speaking of Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore show and not Lou Grant. Not the Lou Grant TV show, no. That was terrible. So, uh, kind of a dick sometimes, but he was also really nice. So, I, it's 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 our way. It's a, Yeah, we like the dicks with hearts of gold. Um, but I, You got spunk. I don't like spunk. Yeah, I hate spunk. Uh, yeah. What can you say? Iconic. And I don't, I didn't know why they did that Lou Grant show. Like, it was very bizarre to me, the idea of a serious drama with him as, like, the editor of a news desk. Here's something. I think Ed Asner, when he was playing Lou Grant, was maybe a year older than me. I can't be lying about that. I have to be telling the truth. I'm not sure, though. Wow. Well, I mean, he's always looked old. 1929, he was born, and the show premiered in 70. Right, so that's forty-one. Wow, he he didn't look forty-one. No, he looked at least late fifties. Yeah. yeah. So he was not really much. He's not really much older than Mary Tyler Moore. I don't know how old she is, but I don't. Yeah. Let's, well, let's see. She is thirty-six, so she, ten years. Ten years difference. Thirty-six. Wow. 
She looked really good in, uh, ah, shit, what was that? Flirting with Disaster. Oh, yeah. She was 60? Yeah. 60 some change. All right, so we got, uh, for 48, we had, uh, I guess, Fry from Futurama and Al Engine tied uh, in some weird way because things got fucked up. Um, we don't need or to say could, anymore. Everybody knows could, those characters. What's we that? could say Raylan Givens and Al Swearingen were tied since they were both on... On Deadwood. Deadwood. Yeah, yeah, either way. Um, all right, so... It's you. Yeah, okay. And we're at 46 with uh, Selena Meyer from Veep, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Another show could have picked anybody. Uh, I really like Matt Walsh's character. Um, I really like Jonah, the hu- another huge dick. Yes. Um, who's great, but I felt like Julia Louis Dreyfus had to get some love, and it's not like she is is like weak compared to the others on here. No, she's no. also a pretty terrible person. Yes, you should mention a, a terrible person with all kinds of of surprising uh, for a vice presidential character, I guess coming up presidential character. Uh, what's the word when issues? You, not not self conscious. Oh yeah. Yeah, she and yes, unself-conscious, I guess, is the word you're looking for. No, but I mean, she's just, she's not sure of herself. She, oh, yeah, no, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, damn, I can, now I can't think of the word either. <laughs> yeah, there's that word, it's right there, but I don't remember it, but that describes her perfectly. Insecurity. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah, she's pretty, well, I mean, the insecurities are warranted because she's pretty inept. And her other, I I didn't watch the show in the middle. She had a show that was semi popular because it lasted a few seasons. Oh I, yeah, the New Adventures of Old Christine. I I might have watched maybe parts of one or two episodes. I don't know much about that character, but the Elaine character is entirely different than the Veep character, and I think that's great. I think that just shows what a great actress she is. Yeah, no, she's she's awesome on in in everything. Uh, I yeah, I don't know about that show either. CBS sitcom. That's all I'll say about that show. So, um, but this is, and I love when she like goes on like cursing sprees and <laughs> and the scene with her and and uh tony hale cracking up in the bathroom was hilarious yeah selena meyer great uh what do you got for 55 data from star trek the next generation of course brent spiner yeah i guess he's not done much since then maybe guest star here and there but he was perfect as data well it's the spock conundrum again I guess, yeah. But I, I think it's a little bit different than Spock because when he's out of his makeup, he looks much different. Like, Spock looks like Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, that's true. I Leonard remember, Nimoy does have pointy ears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he has a pointy brain. Uh, before Star Trek The Next Generation, he used to appear on Night Court often, and I was shocked to find out that it was the same person because they, <laughs> the Data character looks so different than the... I forget. what It was like a country bumpkin, I think, his character on Night Court. Well, he doesn't, anyway. he doesn't need to do more because he no. did data. Yeah, and he did a great job at it. Yeah, well, he was the Mr. Spock of, of Next Generation, mm-hmm. um, but with a twist because he's an android. And he, oh, don't forget, he also played Data's evil brother, Lore. Well, yeah, his evil android brother. He also played Data's creator, whatever that character's name was. I'm not... Stephen Hawking. Quite enough of a nerd like you to remember. Yes, Steve, he played Stephen Hawking, Hawking in the future. Yeah, give it up for Data. Uh, 
my favorite Star Trek franchise franchise by by miles. Mine is Enterprise. Is it really? I haven't seen no, it. No, of course oh. not. That'd be I... ridiculous. Everyone's favorite has to be the next generation. Well, you know, you do meet a lot of people who like the original series. Yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, they are. Well, I I tried to watch Enterprise, but the the and I this is shallow, but the theme song just drove me away. It's nope. terrible. That's that's enough for me. Uh, I don't know why they went away from orchestral. Yeah, that's exactly why I I couldn't watch Get a Life. Anyway, my pick for number fifty-four is uh, a, another the the second one from a show that's only had one season and came out this year, uh, Titus Andromedon from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. But I think he's definitely worthy of being on the list. I, yeah, I. I have no problem with him on the list. I'm surprised you have him in the top 50, not the bottom, but I know it was, well, I just thought about thinking about it. I was like, that dude made me laugh a lot. <laughs> he was also good. in The actor was also good in 30 rock. Yes, he was as Defuan. And this is definitely a case where they write, they wrote it for him. They, Oh, 100% wrote it for and him. And it worked perfectly. Yeah. I would even imagine he had some input into the, the character, yeah. Yeah. the writing. Um, yeah, no, he, he was the the best thing about that show to me, the best character about the show, um, on the show. So I won't, I won't say too much in case people haven't seen it, but uh, he if plays... If you haven't seen it, what's, what's taking you so long? Yeah. You never heard of binge-watching? The He plays the gay roommate character, and he's just perfect. Um, all right, 53. Why did he have to pigeonhole gay roommate? He was also a gay Iron Man. And a gay performer. That's true. And a gay werewolf, yeah. Oh, um, and a gay waiter. A gay what? Waiter. Yes. I, you, I, you know, you're right. I'm sorry for my thoughtlessness. You know, me and my uh, heteronormative ways. I apologize, Titus. Uh, Quite true. Yeah. Uh, from The Office, I think this is a case of a well-written character that had nothing to do with the actor and an actor who really carried it well. So... And uh, they gave him some, I think, some of the most memorable lines from a, a pretty good run, the, the U.S. office. And I I think there's many aspects of the British office I like better, but I think I like Dwight Schrute better than, I forget the then, Yeah, his counterpart on the BBC one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's, I, I think there's other characters, which now that I think about it, I, I could have easily put, I think it's Tim the UK's gym. I think he could easily have been on my top 50 if I'd been thinking about it, but I didn't. So anyway, Dwight Schrute's great. Yeah, he is. And it's another, it's another one where you're like, oh, I can't picture anybody else doing, doing that role. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's just a case of being used to him in it. It's just, he, he owned it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can see, like, I think I've watched some like rehearsal tapes of other people doing it. And it just wasn't the same, even if they were saying the same things. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good choice. Um, Mine for where we have fifty-two, I think, uh, is Alan Partridge from various BBC uh, series. He played the same character. Knowing me, knowing you, I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, some others and another huge dick. It's a fake talk show host, right? He's a, well. He's a radio. He's got a radio show. Okay. He's a DJ. Did, yeah. Did, did it come after Larry Sanders or the same time? So, would you say? 94 yeah 94 it started he started he started as a radio character prior to that so probably around 
Larry Sanders time he was doing the he was creating the character. Okay, so it's it's not even a, a something off of that. It's that he was doing it at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah, he he's great. Steve Coogan should mention. I think this is our only British entry, which is kind of oh shit. I I totally forgot about the young ones. Yeah, I didn't. I thought of it, and I was just like, well, I can't remember it well enough to pick one. But yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that was mine. Uh, Alan Partridge for number 42. He's another one who like created the character and then just inhabited it fully. So, and I almost picked Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, oh, the actor for Sherlock. Yeah. I thought about Sherlock as well. Um, I think we're, so, but this, uh, Alan Partridge is pretty much is Steve Coogan's biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that's how I knew who he was. Uh, that's how I first oh, got to Oh, but now he's done that Philomena. Yeah, he did Philomena. So uh, that might be his biggest thing now. Yeah, they did an Alan Partridge movie. Um, yeah. Was the movie as good as other... I, I didn't find the movie as good as a TV show. I mean, that's kind of always the way with when you do movies of comedies for some reason, sitcoms. Yeah, um, that's true about Mr. Bean. But Oh, yeah, of course. But I, I thought it was still funny. Um, Bullwinkle J. Moose. 41. I like that you put the J in there. You gotta put the J in. Do, uh, we, do we know what the J stands for? J Ward. Oh. I think, but I think I think it's just J. It's not really J A Y, but that's where how the J got there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so great, great. We talk about characters, cartoon characters that are made for kids and then also funny for adults. I think Bullwinkle definitely is in there. Uh, most iconic member of that show. Oh, and, definitely. Uh, great. They just redid his statue for Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, well, Bullwinkle is always the one, right? He's he's the Ed Norton of the show. Uh, Rocky's just kind of annoying, like a little gnat. Um, <laughs> got that got that high-pitched voice, and he's kind of a goody-goody, and Bullwinkle's just kind of a doofus. Yeah, but you need Rocket there to say, oh, no, not again. No, I know. He he fulfills his role, but it's all it's all Bullwinkle for everybody, just like Han Solo over over Luke Skywalker, right? All right, yeah. Bull, well, keeping with that theme at number forty, uh, I have got Daffy Duck. I know he's technically not a TV character because they showed these as shorts. No, uh, he is a TV movies. character because later they had the the Saturday morning cartoon that, that starred Daffy Duck. So yes, they did. He did have his own TV shows as well, but uh, but you know I'm I'm talking about the classic Looney Tunes, but it oh, yeah. still doesn't matter because because by the time we were around, they weren't showing shorts before movies. It was all no. a TV show. And uh, uh, what image of Daffy Duck would you take? The like the more modern image that they came up with. I mean that they came to eventually, even in the shorts or the original, where he kind of looks a little bit. I like the more modern, although I have no yeah. problem with the original. Um, to me, Duck Amuck is the classic Daffy Duck cartoon where the uh, the illustrator is fucking with him. <laughs> oh, and they put him in that weirdo outfit. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. And and of course, him getting his uh, beak shot so it spins around. And, on, and uh, da- Daffy Duck is responsible for one of my favorite phrases that I guess Pat and I came up with: "Daffy Duck drunk." When you have enough to drink, where you're going, ha ha, and just. <laughs> Running all over the place. 
Yeah, he's a he's a crazy uh, another asshole character. Another asshole, yeah. But I, I think I think that's the difference between Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck because Bugs Bunny was kind of an asshole, but he's kind of I don't know. Bugs Bunny is kind of a smug asshole. Yeah, that's the that's the difference. But Daffy Duck was just an out and out asshole. He yeah. would be like Bugs Bunny only hurts someone if they hurt him. Daffy Duck hurts everybody. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's that's number forty. What do you got for uh, thirty nine? Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica, played by Katie Sekoff. They they changed the role in the originals, played by Face from the A Team, and they they gave it to a woman, and that pissed some people off, but. I think they were stupid because she was a great actress and she carried the role really well. And I don't know what happens at the end of that show, of course, but the parts I saw, she was great. So Dirk Benedict was the original. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember her. Wait, do you, what's the actress's name? Do you know? Katie Sackoff. Katie Sackoff. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but that's how it's spelled. That's probably a good clue to how to pronounce it. I would imagine. Wow, so two Battlestar Galactica, very uh, popular show among nerds. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of surprised I put two, but oh well, that's the way it goes. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, 38, I've got Agent Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. Uh, I had to pick somebody from Twin Peaks because I loved that show, and it was another pretty groundbreaking show for its time, and does actually hold up still. Um Although some of the uh, some of the, some of the cinematography looks very early '90s, but but otherwise, yeah, uh, by played by Kyle MacLachlan, probably his best known role, even though he was in Blue Velvet and Dune and other David Lynch stuff, and then later Desperate Housewives and Showgirls. Uh, and Agents of Shield right now. Yeah, he's on Agents of Shield now, but but nothing topped Dale Cooper, who was just a very weird. Weirdly by the book character, seemingly uptight, but also just crazy in a very odd way, but a funny way. Um, he really, really loved his pie and coffee. Uh, very, very childlike in a lot of ways. Excited about the different types of trees and everything in the area. So, uh, a very complex character, Agent Dale Cooper, number 38. 37. Homer J. Simpson from The Simpsons. Of course. I mean, Homer was going to make the list. I didn't even pick him because I, I was sure you would pick him. There's there's no way Homer's not going to make the list. Yeah, I think he's the best character to come out of that show, even though it was done into the ground. I mean, uh, dough is in the dictionary now. Yes, it is. That's something you make bread with. It's just Yeah, it's not. weird that it took The Simpsons to get that in there. but Oh, I was just bringing that up as an off-topic thing, but... Anyway, Homer, great character. Dan Castellina changed the voice a little from the beginning, from the, the the original Simpsons, and turned away from Walter Matthau to something a little bit different. And I think the improvement was well worth it. I think the 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 Homer Simpson we've known for most of the most of the show now is the is the best voice, and it's really funny. Oh yeah, it's it's like almost a little bit off-putting to hear the original voice now. Even from, like, the first season, not to mention the Tracy Ullman show. Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, classic doofus. I think I was reading that the somewhere that the point at which Homer became modern Homer was uh, the Frank Grimes episode, where he just became a, a total fucking idiot. Uh, 
but yeah, I don't know. I think it might have, it's probably started earlier than that. But yeah. I think it did start earlier than that, but I think that that Grimes episode is unfairly maligned. I think it's funny. I think it's one of the best. I cracked up so hard when it originally ran. Yeah, I don't know why it's maligned. I I, I don't know either. I, I mean, but it is. I, I think a lot of it, a lot of the greatness of it is that the writers were making fun of themselves. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. Um, Homer being so clueless that. Uh, he basically drives someone to suicide and then makes everybody forget about the dead guy at his own funeral. Wow, what is to hate about that? I thought it was great. Not suicide. Well. Oh, he did kill himself, but it wasn't like... No, right. He didn't hang himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't that dark. Right. Anybody who knows the episode, though, knows. Drove him yeah. to his death, let's yes. say. Um, no, that's a great... I, there was no way he was not going to be on it. Surprise! he's so low, actually, but... Oh, sorry. I just knocked my headset off. Uh, but we did uh, kind of reserve the top 20 for people we both picked. So, yeah. I think, which is, I think, a fair way to do it. I think so, too. And I I, I mean, I, a lot of this is just, like, put it in a... In a in, just putting time it in we do order. It, it's going to be a different order. Right. But, yeah. Anyway. Well, 36 for me is Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Um, one of the best modern characters on TV. She likes butts. She loves butts. I love her sexual fantasies that are completely inappropriate. Uh, but since it's a cartoon, it's like fine. Uh, and just her, (laughs) her, she's got like wells of insecurity within her, uh, that her siblings don't have her younger siblings. Yes, they're all on her. Yeah, I she mean, got all of it. Yeah, because not only do they not have it, they don't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's uh, she's perfect. I don't, I don't. I mean, she's for me far and away the best character on that show. Um, and and I just you know everybody can relate to her in some way. I feel like I think I like Louise better, but I, I don't have any problems with Tina being on the list. Do you? But I yeah, Louise is kind of unrelatable because Louise is like all id. Yeah, but I, this is funnier. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I laugh more at Tina's stuff, especially her butt stuff. <laughs> um, all right, 35. Uh, let's see. Mal Reynolds from Firefly, played by Nathan Fillion. We've already talked about this show a lot, a little bit in the previous episode. It's just, it was a great show that lasted for too short a time and it ended up getting a movie. And Nathan Fillion was very, very good in the role. He's, he, he, he he does action well, which I don't know how hard I don't know how hard anything is, but he does action well. But at the same time, he's able to do comedy just as well. He's a really fun actor. He's like a modern day Han Solo, right? Yes, yeah. yes, very much so. Yeah, and, suave uh, and and swashbuckling and yeah. Uh, he has a a new show that he and the guy who played Wash, whose name is real life name I forget Noah something. Uh, they have a new show coming that they put on Kickstarter. That sounds really fun. It's basically their real life characters in fictional form. Wait, like so. a TV show or a web series or? I what? guess it's going to be a web series. Okay. It, uh, let me let me look up the name because I, yeah. I'm going to look forward to it. It's probably going to be good. Yeah, and then people can like look for. Alan Tudyk is the is the other guy in it, and the the show is going to be called Re- Reboots. Oh, cool! Yeah, so check out the Kickstarter and see if it's for you. Uh, yeah, no, that 
that's a good pick, and I I figured uh, he would make the list too. Um, I haven't watched all of it, like I said, but I I like I have no problem with with that. Um, unlike you with my Stefan pick. <laughs> um, all right, so thirty four for me. Oh, is, I'm sorry. Yeah, the show's called Con Man. It's not called Reboots. It's quite a difference. Yeah. And you can't raise money for it anymore. They had a $425,000 goal and they got $3 million. Wow. Well, it's not surprising, I guess. No, not with those guys. Well, I mean, Nathan Fillion has, was already a, kind of a huge deal just in like fandom, like sci-fi. And then he does Castle, which is a, a pretty much a hit, like a real-life hit, not just a, a genre a cult, hit. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's not just a cult favorite. So he's bringing both sides in. So, well, yeah, yeah and you know. We've spoken a little bit off air about this, but you know, nerds have money. They got to maintain those beards and ponytails. And uh, McDonald's ain't cheap. Nope. Yeah, good for him. Uh, Thirty-four. I've got Vic Mackey from The Shield, played by the Commish. Well, I, it was it was difficult for you, right, to pick Vic Mackey? You weren't sure whether to pick Vic Mackey or the Commish. Or the Commish. Yeah, it was a it was a real debate going on in my head, because you know the Commish had. A lot of those wah wah like scenes at the end of the show, which which the Shield just didn't have. You know how sometimes people re-edit things to make them like look like different things. Yeah, I would like to see someone re-edit a bunch of Vic Mackey scenes and just have the Kamish theme music playing on top. That would be awesome, and and yeah, do do a little of those wah wah moments. In um, your skill, your newfound sound engineer skills it seems like that you're the man for the job i could except i don't have video skills so that oh, that sure. would be the problem yeah uh, although i guess i could just take raw video and add sound to it yeah um yeah vic Mackey, a an insanely corrupt cop on a special lapd task force um gets basically it's basically the shield is breaking bad before breaking bad came out the the whole arc of it but he pretty much drags everybody down with him and uh it's not pretty and it's definitely not funny but uh a great character and and he really did a good job michael chiklis in this role like i wouldn't have expected it at all from the commish no and it's it's interesting that i thought i thought maybe he decided to change like change the way he is and just do that kind of role and then he comes back and does that superhero movie, uh, tv show well he did the the thing from the fantastic four which he actually in my mind those movies weren't great but he was really a great thing oh was he yeah i didn't i could picture him as being a good thing yeah he did the voice great and everything uh but but then he did it like a superhero tv show like a superhero family tv show that didn't last oh and i remember he, yeah and then after that he did a like he was a crime boss in Vegas in the fifties, but it wasn't, you know, he was kind of a hard ass, but not, not, not Vic Mackey hard, hard ass, more like ABC hard ass. Yeah. So I yeah. need to finish watching the shield. That's one of the shows that's on my list of things to watch. I yeah, watched I, everything I watched. I watched at your house one time, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. You got a ways to go on that, but it's on Netflix. Oh yeah. You should totally get into it, man. Um, number 33, Bob Hartley, of course, the Bob Newhart show. Somebody I totally forgot when I was making my list, but I'm glad you remembered. And I, I, there's, I don't know if he's the most interesting guy from that show since he's definitely the this one sane man. But he's the, he's the one that has the most lines, so we'll give it to him. And he's really funny. Bob Newhart is a funny dude. Well, yeah, just like Andre Brower on Brooklyn Nine Nine, he does that deadpan 
Yes. Better than anybody. Yeah. The stammering. They even brought like the phone calls onto the Bob Newhart show and it worked there. Yeah. Hello. That's how it, it begins with the telephone ringing, right? Oh, is it? I didn't even, I don't remember that. We did, Have we done an episode of that? I don't think so. No, we, we did Newhart. We yeah. did the final Newhart versus Parks and Rec, but we never did Bob Newhart. Yeah. Anyway, Bob Hartley. All right. 32 for me, Jack Donaghy from 30 Rock. Uh, that's someone I would have put down, but I knew you would, so I didn't. Excellent choice. Yeah. How can you go wrong with Alec? He's he's much like uh, Andre Brower on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Everybody on the show is great. He's just a little elevated as far yes. as the acting, you know? I agree with that. And his his scene that we did on our episode of 30 Rock where he, he does all the voices of Tracy's parents and neighbors and stuff was... Excellent. He's so good at being um, smug but likable. Like, he's even, not even smug in a dickish way. He's just like a sarcastic smug dude. <laughs> so, yeah, Al, I think that, I don't think Alc Baldwin ever did better work than, than 30 Rock. I don't think so either. I, I mean, not, not even I, Glengarry Glenn Ross, yeah. Well, Glengarry Glenn Ross is, is so memorable, but he's only in it for five minutes. Yeah, but then he gives that... Yeah, insane the, speech. So it's so memorable. Everybody but. knows, but he's been in other things, and I guess he kind of was an action star when he first came out. But I think once he found comedy, and I guess he, I think the first I remember is being on Saturday Night Live. Once he found comedy, and once fu- people realized how funny he could be, that was it. Yeah, and he's he's one of those guys that like does it effort effortlessly. Like you're yeah. not you're not seeing him go for like the big the big gestures in his comedy. The first thing I remember seeing him in, and I every time I realize it's him, I for I, I I'm surprised was Beetlejuice. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so unlike him, what he became, but it's more like what he is now. Like after Beetlejuice, he was kind of a serious actor for a while, and he kind of had a couple like action movies. He was in uh, Hunt for Red October, and he played the 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 Shadow, and but he never quite made it as an action star. Yeah. So we kind of gravitated back towards comedy and that's i mean 30 rock was awesome and you know also screaming really ugly things at his daughter and getting fired from political shows but other than that he's great yeah i know i agree uh we'll put all that aside just for his portrayal of jack donaghy uh 31 anya also from buffy uh i guess it's kind of an odd choice it's but she's my favorite character from that show she appeared in one episode I don't know what season, but early on as a demon who gets taken, she has her demon powers taken away by Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then she kind of is gone. And then the next season she shows up again and she's just, she's a depowered regular character. And then she just becomes a part of the gang and becomes a really awesome character as the show goes on. I think one of Josh Whedon's strengths with shows that, that he has a long time to write on is he is able to make believable character development over time like characters change drastically in really believable fun ways and Anya's an example of that yeah i i've like this is another show i've seen like intermittently like i i you know season just bouncing all over seasons mm-hmm. and stuff but i recognize this character i think i actually saw the the one where buffy took her demon power so i know who you're talking about um i got yeah i gotta start watching buffy everybody tells me to skip the first season but that seems really weird Oh, the well, you don't have to skip it, but it just realized that it gets better. Okay. All right. 
Anya at 31. Uh, at 30 for me, Dana Scully from the X-Files. Uh, another somewhat thankless role when compared with Mulder, who's, uh, who's a bit more funny and into porn. So, <laughs> you know, he has his, his oddness, and she just seems kind of uptight. Well, I think the, the thing about Scully is, I mean, we, this is one where I can say for sure, it's the, I think the actress makes the character better than she's written. Yes, 100%. And we just talked about Joss Whedon. One of his things when he did Buffy was, why doesn't Scully ever start to believe? She's seen so much stuff. She right. should start to believe. Why is she always the cynic? She shouldn't be always. You know, there should. But anyway, she is awesome, uh, Jillian Anderson. No, yeah. what's her name? Yeah, that's her name. Okay. Um, yeah, no, she, like you said, she, without her, it's it's a pretty uh, dreary role, um, just as written, I would think. But she definitely elevates it, and and uh, I I always you know you say like Joss Whedon said I always kind of sided with her. I was like even even though I was seeing the stuff, I'm like no, you should be skeptical of this. There's yeah yeah. Well, I think in a show like that, it's nice to have a skeptical character, but it it shouldn't always be Scully. Right. No, that's true. And I think they did like try to switch it up once or twice, but yeah. Yeah, but not in the way that, that that's was... one of the. The, the the arcs on that show were were the worst parts. It was the episodes, the, the standalone episodes, were the best parts. Yeah, of the show. monster of the week episodes. So, which are you more excited about, uh, bringing back the, the Showtime Twin Peaks or bringing back X Files to Fox? Well, I guess X Files because David Lynch has dropped out of Twin Peaks. So, uh, yeah. When I first read that, I th- I thought it was a little disappointing. But when I read more about why, I think it's just David Lynch kind of being unrealistic. Because at, at first I thought it was like he had story ideas and they didn't want to do it. But it turns out he has story ideas that they want to do, but they're going to cost too much. And they're like, well, can you give us a little bit back? And he's like, no. So He's got well, a vision, man. Well, take, take, well, pay for your vision a little bit. I don't know. Uh, to me, I'm but like, you, you got, I, you've got a built-in audience for that. Yeah. Just give him what he fucking wants. you got money, Showtime. But, it, well, and also in, uh, in your hopes to, to add to it, they already wrote all the episodes, so yeah. If they have someone else directing them, although it won't be David Lynch directing them, so that's kind of a big deal. But still, it would—it's—it's it's better than somebody else entirely writing the episodes. Yeah, but that... I'm excited about the X Files. I never watched Twin Peaks all the way through, and I never watched X Files all the way through. But you don't need to because the Monster of the Week episodes are are the best. Yeah, and that goes into my choice, which is Fox Mulder at number twenty-nine. Uh, I think you already talked about his best points pornography in a poster that says i believe yeah no he's he's another you know you'd think he's kind of like a kevin costner-ish actor where there's just just not much there but i think he had he did a lot he was actually pretty underrated on this his acting on this show yeah he was he made things understated really funny yes small comments would just be really funny and I think just like Dana Scully, I think David Duchovny made the role better than it, than it could have been with somebody else. He did, and and without without his character, um, the series is just grim. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, he adds the the levity to it that you need for a show about you know mutilations and and whatever. And I I hope I don't come across as not liking the X Files. I I like the show, and I think they. The, the writing was good in creating these characters. I just think that the actor was so good that it made them even better. Yeah. No, totally. I like that we have Mulder and Scully together. Um, 
28, George Costanza from Seinfeld. Can't stand you. Yeah. Jerk store. <laughs> so many so many great lines. Uh, I, people really hate him, which is a sign to me of what a good actor he is. They hate the character, I mean. Yeah. Um, it's, he's another one where, like, who else could do it? Nobody yeah, could, that's true. Nobody could do it but him. And it's funny when they talk about the early seasons where it's like, I'm trying to do a Woody Allen Nebbish. And you can see that, but you can also see Jason Alexander just being funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, another entirely despicable character. Yeah, we got a lot of those. Yeah, I, I would say maybe the least redeeming character on that show, which is saying something. Um, but also the funniest. To I don't me, know. I think Newman might be a little... Well, he is a person. Yeah, that's true. How's that going for him? Well, he is Mary, as they say in the in the one episode. Newman, at least he's Mary. Um, <laughs> George Costanza's not Mary. Uh, no. Classic loser, angry at the world. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I think eventually they came up with him being angry, and that's what they stuck with. And he is angry. And yeah, they were right to stick with it because it's it's hilarious. <laughs> Very funny. And unlike, well, Elaine went on, of course, to do great things with Selena Meyer character, and Jerry Seinfeld still does stand up. And his strangers, comedians having coffee with in cars, cars or whatever is yeah. really funny. But Jason Alexander, unfortunately, never never did anything that good after. No, but. He doesn't need to either. He, no, no, yeah, he doesn't. He's fine. Uh, all right. Troy and I bet in the morning. At number 27. Like like you said about, uh, or we said about Broad City, you have to put them together. Yeah, I think we talked about having Troy and Abed as different choices, but I, d- I don't think this show, I think Abed works okay by himself, but I think especially Troy once they figured out that they, they're going to match these two characters and have them be a duo, the show worked a lot better. Because in the first season, Troy was kind of an f- ex-football player at the community college, and he didn't have the quirks that he ended up having. Right. He he was kind of, in a way, the outcast of the group because he wasn't like really a, a loser, per se. He, he just uh, got injured, which is why he couldn't play football right. for a... And, yeah. and that's what it seemed like, how it was written. I think maybe Donald Glover improved on things and he's a funny dude so yeah and and abed's character was pretty funny from the start yeah the two of them together were were gold yeah yeah they're the they're they're more than the sum of their parts i guess yeah say. and that's why to me there's there's really no recovering from donald glover leaving the show i mean it can still be funny but it, they were they were the heart of the show to me yeah yeah i agree and the humor and every time troy would start crying i could not stop laughing <laughs> Um, and and just pop culture nerds and things they did like having Troy live with Chevy Chase it seemed like a stupid idea and they didn't in, in do as much with it because I think Chevy Chase was being a dirt a jerk but what they did with it was pretty funny yeah no they uh yeah you you can't separate these two um sorry I'm counting not what number we're at all right, so now we're at 26, so we'll take a break after this one. Uh, no, let's let's keep going until we hit the top. The 20. top 10? Okay. Top, the top 20. The, okay. Yeah, the top 21. Okay. So just a few more. Uh, Rob Petrie from the Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh, you're, oh, you're skipping to... mine. Oh, I'm sorry. Just did Troy right. and Abed. Uh, I, I picked Ted Baxter from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Another asshole. Another 
another asshole that you can't help but love. <laughs> yeah, but for no good reason. For, there is no reason. He doesn't. He doesn't do in. Well, it's just Ted Knight. I mean, there's yeah, something oh, the, about him that that's completely the actor that does that. Yeah. But but you do. I mean, sometimes they'd have him do something good, but then he'd always take it back. Yeah. As written, you're not going to sympathize with the dude. No, and but Ted Knight is. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, he's uh, one of the all-time great comic actors, and uh, not only an asshole, but well, like most assholes, I guess, entirely clueless. Yeah, well, clueless and so full of himself. Yeah, yeah, the most maybe the most narcissistic character on this list. Although I don't know, that's that's a pretty tough order, but um, yeah, he is. He's. He's not he's only up there. clueless about life. Yeah, he's clueless about how he comes across and and basically about who he is. So yeah, he's he's an all time great and the source of uh, much of the humor of the show. Yeah, yeah, because not only do you have his clueless his clueless clueless self centeredness, but you have everyone else's reaction to him. Yes. I mean, Mary had the, the throwaway j- jokes. Lou Grant had the angry jokes, and Mary Richards had the kind of not understanding where he's coming from. Right. <laughs> oh, Ted Knight. I, I mean, if only Too Close for Comfort had been a better show, I could have picked that <laughs> character too. Um, Twenty-five. Now we're now. Now or now I can talk about picking a character who the show is named after him, but his character has a different name with Rob Petrie from the Dick Van Dyke Show. Just. Funny physical. There's physical comedy. We're talking about it being gone. He did physical comedy excellently. He was funny and great show. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's no. Uh, he was the the king of physical comedy. I I think at that point in time. Now there was a pilot for a show that Carl Reiner created before the Dick Van Dyke Show, which was basically the Dick Van Dyke Show, but he played Dick Van Dyke. He played Rob Petrie, and it's interesting to watch, but. Dick Van Dyke made everything Carl Reiner was doing better. Yeah, Carl Reiner's a good writer. I mean, he he can act in in certain situations, but he could not pull off what Dick Van Dyke pulled off. No, because they they were able to add different aspects to it, like like the physical comedy, and uh, yeah, it worked. You can tell why they did it, and it was a good idea. And I think I think Dick Van Dyke show is. I mean, it's been a long time, and I, I still think it's the, one of the best shows of all time. So I, it's gone. Definitely the best comedy of the '60s by miles. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I remember. God damn it! And of course, I can't remember the band right now. It might have been Young Fresh Fellows, but I remember in the '80s, some band did a song called "Tripping Over the Ottoman." Uh, Dead Milkman. Dead Milkman. That's who it was. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah!" <laughs> we all we all grew up on the same thing. Uh, yeah, that was uh, twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty-four. Ron Swanson, Parks and Rec. Lots of Parks and Rec on this list. Not as much as we could have, so don't complain. Yeah, don't assholes. complain. And if you've listened to our show, you know we both uh, loved Parks and Rec, so it's really not that surprising. But, um, yeah, another one. Could have picked anybody. Pretty much. I mean, I guess maybe not Anne. As you've said before, not like the most dynamic character. Although we both love, uh, we both love the actress. Um, yeah, I th- Rashida Jones. I thought she had. I guess it was just stuff she was producing. There's no show that she has coming out with that she's actually in. Oh, or, or does she? Maybe a USA show. 
Yeah, I thought she was going to be in some USA show, but I, then I haven't heard anything else about it. Um, they have the, that weird schedule where stuff comes out in months. You don't expect something to come out, so maybe it still has to come. Yeah, well, Ron Swanson was like a composite of like great, kind of, kind of dicky, um, conservative characters from from over the years, but just a kind of kind of totally new in a way as well. I would say libertarian more than you libertarian, said. yeah, and it, which is maybe why it seemed new. Um, yeah, you're right, libertarian, because um, he was socially not uh, not conservative for sure. No, no, he just hated the government. Yes, and he hid bars of gold under the ground near his cabin and uh, and enjoyed his steak and had a secret life as a uh, saxophone player in a little jazz band. I wouldn't call him a dick either. He no, was just it's it's true. He he was curmudgeonly, let's say. Yes, curmudgeonly, yes. but he de- definitely was Yeah, I I I just I would No, you're right. I, He's not a dick in, in, like the other people we've talked about. No, that's what that's what I'm thinking like Louis De Palma. He's yeah. not all, I think what I'm the difference is he's not all out for himself. No, he's not. Um no, he does care about other people. Yeah, just but also that hilarious deadpan yes. style. Um, yeah, Nick Offerman's terrific. Yeah, which and it really makes you appreciate that deadpan style these actors because it's so hard to do. Um, yeah, Ron Swanson at twenty four, twenty three. Uh, uh, getting... Let's just talk about a little bit about this Rashida Jones show that hasn't started yet. Oh yeah, it's going to be on TBS, and it's created by Steve Carell and his wife. Yes, and she's in it, right? Rashida uh, Jones. Rashida, yeah, Rashida Jones is a star. It's Angie, Angie Tribeca. And it has not aired yet. A satire of police procedural shows. Well, huh. it's got a good pedigree, so... Yeah, it's expected to premiere this year. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Rashida, oh, <laughs> Jerry Burns is in it. Oh, awesome. Who has been great in dramatic roles, and it looks like he's back to doing comedy. Hayes MacArthur, who I don't know. Do you recognize that name? No, I don't know it. Nope. And I don't, yeah, nobody else I recognize. Anyway, back to the list, and it's what you just did, Ron Swanson. I'm doing Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek: The Next Generation, the greatest captain in Federation history. Yeah, you're you're an idiot if you think James T. Kirk is the best captain. You're just a flat-out idiot, and you should uh, probably hide yourself away from the rest of uh, enlightened society. And here's a nerdy thing I read recently that some I don't know if it's fan fiction or Maybe a, a oh I know what it was it was a, a comic book that was Star Trek the Next Generation meets the X Men and there there's something about or maybe it was a novel novelization anyway uh, they have um, this is before the X Men movie came out but there's a, a Professor X is created in the holodeck and John Luke Picard has discussions with this Professor X and at the end. Uh, Professor X says, you can come see me anytime. I'm a part of the holodeck. So the implication is that John Luke Picard could go discuss things with Professor X anytime he wants. And then years later, Patrick Stewart plays Professor X. So he's, in effect, discussing things with himself, which I think is awesome. That is pretty cool. So, yeah, he's he's a, a really neat character, different than I think people expected before the show came. Not that I know, but... It's just, it is much different than, than Captain Kirk. He's less about action. He doesn't usually go on the away teams when the... the right. He uses the his brain. Yes. And yeah. 
is more liberal in that if he meets a like an alien culture that he doesn't know about, he negotiates instead of fighting. But not that he's afraid of fighting; he will also fight. So yeah, yeah. as a last resort, uh, mm-hmm. as it should be. He's also not uh, hitting on everything on two or four legs. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Yep, the best, the best starship captain, Jean-Luc Picard, 23. Uh, 22, I've got Hank Kingsley from the Larry Sanders Show, Jeffrey Tambor. Hey, now. Hey, now. The uh, Another self-centered narcissist, Clueless, <laughs> um, but somehow even more lovable than some of the other ones. Well, he's just... He's just such a sad sack, too. Yeah, I think that's part of it. That think, his yeah. insecurities are as big of as, as big as his ego. Yes, like he has a huge ego, but he's also insecure about the huge ego. Right, and and you, I mean the the huge ego seems like well, kind of like with Ted Baxter. Well, no, Ted Baxter is just clueless. The huge ego seems like a front for his insecurities. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's constantly afraid that he's going to be replaced. Yes, and uh, uh, as we've said of many of these people, this one. As much as anybody else, nobody else could have done this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're, we talk about the insecurities and the, the ego, but he's not so much of a sad sack that when his insecurities get there, his anger comes out. Right. So it's he's not just a sad sack. So he's not pathetic. No. So you don't feel bad for him. You don't. You don't like. Uh, are you're not turned off by him being an asshole, but you also don't feel bad for him. So it's kind of like just neutral. Yeah, yeah. It all it all uh, cancels each other out. <laughs> but man i mean just so well written and acted like mm-hmm. this character is so fully realized um and and everybody on that show was kind of fucked up in some way um, which was nice to see on tv i mean it's a f- one of the first sitcoms i can remember where the characters were you know they they had huge backstories and you you got what they were about and they were all kind of messed up like uh, Larry Sanders definitely had any problem with real emotion. Yes. How many wives did he go through on the I, show? I know. I can't remember. Two or three. Um, but but Hank Kingsley has got to be everybody's favorite from this show. I don't think there's any any question about who, who would be your favorite. Um, well, maybe Artie. Yeah, I was going to say Rip Torn was excellent. Was, everybody was uniformly excellent on this show. Um yeah, that's my pick for 22. Let's do 21, and then we'll go to break. Okay. This was uh, a last-minute pick that we we kind of debated about uh, who to do, but uh, the, he had to be on here. So. Walter White. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Walter Breaking White. Breaking Bad. I I uh, said that I think in later seasons he kind of went too much to one side for there to be any real conflict with him, but definitely the first few seasons. Uh, there was that conflict, and like you were saying, he uh, you sympathized with him, even though he was doing horrible things. Yeah, and it was like there's other shows where there's a there's an anti-hero, and you might sympathize with them, but you should feel bad because they're doing horrible things. But you kind of feel th- there's no reason to feel bad because in that first season, he's not really doing that horrible thing. He's he's selling drugs. Yeah, but he's not like killing people or anything like that in that first season where he's just, you know, he's really worried about his family. He thinks he's going to die for, uh, from cancer. He's, he doesn't know how much time he has left and he wants to collect as much as he can. 
and you know he has some rough sides to him in that first season and he, he is a jerk but you can see why he's being such a jerk yeah but that but the jerk jerkishness kind of slowly overtakes him as the show goes on and as, as far as i'm concerned i haven't finished watching it but slowly but surely i stopped uh feeling sympathy yeah and just started watching the show right so. which i think is is the intention of yeah Vince Gilligan. yeah i think that's so, yeah a sign of a good show that they've they change a the character over time. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but Brian Cranston, again, great, yeah, great job. Yeah. Um, he knows how to wear the tidy whiteies. He, he has since Malcolm. Yep. All right. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to our top 20. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. We had a comrade. A brave comrade, he could talk for whole days But then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shanmiro To computers wearing earphones He almost died for conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke Park's great racing Steeplechasing All right, we're back. The top 20 TV characters of all time, as decided by us and uh, written in stone for every generation to follow us. A blue ribbon panel put these together. Yeah. In my book. So number 20. These Jim are, uh, Ignatowski. Yeah. No, sorry. No, that's fine. Jim Ignatowski from Taxi. We we both agreed on these. A lot of these we both agreed on. So we'll Yeah, so we know. figure if, if we both agree on it, it must be perfect perfection. So the top, almost all the top 20, but we will mention when it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a better thing. Just mention when we didn't agree. Um, Yeah. Reverend Jim from Taxi. Uh, I don't know. Christopher Lloyd. What else can you say, man? Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's, it's just really funny. It's, it holds up, and I think we both agree that his most memorable scene is the yellow light. And we when he's taking his driving test. Yeah. Yeah. Still so, funny as shit. Yeah, and they, scene. and you watch it, and they, you can tell how how funny the audience thought it was, and they just kept doing it. You can tell how funny the actors thought it was because yeah, Tony Danza too. can't yeah. stop laughing. Yeah, yeah, you should go just. Just uh, look up that scene on YouTube of uh, Jim from Taxi takes his driving test because it's it's one of the all time funniest TV moments. And this is the character who has the same background as Barney from Barney Gumble from The Simpsons. Where... Yeah, he came from Money. No, no. There's an episode in The Simpsons where Barney's like really good at school and he drinks a beer and then he totally becomes at the sip of the first beer becomes like a becomes an alcoholic, a, a, right? A drunk. And there's a scene of Jim in college where he's all. Like his hair is real parted, real nice, oh, and yes. he like I think he smokes pot or maybe he drinks beer. I forget what it is, but one second of doing it, he he just starts talking like Reverend Jim. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and and he does come for money as well. Um, yeah, yeah, there's that too. But it it was interesting because it's the first character I'm gonna go out and say on TV, probably the first character that was a drug burnout. Yeah, like on a sitcom, <laughs> and. And just oh my god, 
he's like he was like the Kramer of his day. I feel like that sounds that's that's a good like Kramer is not a drug burnout, but he is a burnout. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I I get you. And that just kind of everybody loved him. Uh, yeah, yeah, sitcom audience favorite. Yeah, um, Christopher. He kind of replaced Latka. Yeah, which, yeah, in a way, yeah. Which is probably, you know, not an easy thing to do. I think they were on the show at the same time, but when for a Andy, little while, yeah. Andy Kaufman left. It was left to him to be the fan favorite, and I think he did an admirable job of it. Oh, he was a better character than Laka for sure. I mean, Laka didn't yep. make our list, so less one note. I agree. Um, but yeah, Christopher Lloyd just did such a great job and uh, of playing a burnout. Like you've seen a lot of people playing drunks. You don't usually see people playing burnouts that don't seem really uh, stereotyped. And he was, uh, I don't know, he just brought the funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good number 20. Uh, number 19? Michael Scott. Another one we agreed on? It was a tough, a, a tough thing to do to do this role because it was straight from the British series, which was so well-loved. And he had a different take on it. And a really good take on it. Really funny characterization of a a character that so needed attention and so needed like admiration, but was not. But it was also kind of an asshole. Yeah. Getting it. I he, think w- one of my favorite episodes, Michael Scott centric episode, is the the one where he promises. No, no, I'm, I have it mixed up. The one where he has to fire somebody. It's the Halloween episode. Oh yeah. And uh, it's just. It's, it's it's painful, cringeworthy. Yeah, he brings in Creed and who ends up being a pretty major character later. Not major, but lots of funny stuff. And he fires him, and Creed says no. <laughs> yep, he <laughs> no. it. And then so he has this awful day that he goes through. And at the end of the episode, he's they just they show through like the window of his house, just him sitting there lonely. And then the kids come, and that's where he like puts on his act that he's happy. Yeah. He actually is happy to have people around where that don't hate him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he desperately, desperately needs to be loved. And, uh, and he's not as loved as he needs to be. And, and, and the people he gets love from, he doesn't want it. He does not want Dwight's love, which is so funny. Yes. Because Dwight worships him. Um, yes. he, he goes on that blind date and just talk oh, shit about that lady. To, like, <laughs> Oh God! Her face. Yeah, he he gets all the yeah. Oh my, no, a great. I mean, better than the Ricky Gervais character, which is why he's not on our list, and Michael Scott is. Yeah, he yeah, just, I, yeah. Steve Carell's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know what to say about him. How can you? How can anybody like this character? He's another one, and yet you do. Mm-hmm. And you, and it's extremely painful to watch some of his his stuff as well like you said like that whole thing where they're watching him uh in a videotape when he was a kid on the romper room type oh god yeah yeah jaws crack open and the kid's like well you didn't did you get married did you have lots of kids no no oh my god and he had a happy ending yeah yeah he had a happy ending he needed it amy ryan um yeah and people did, his his coworkers did care for him. Yeah, and I think, I, I, it was a little bit unrealistic because they didn't like him, but it was also a little bit realistic because he was so eager for the love. Yes. 
So, I mean, he was a terrible boss, but he considered them all his best friends, and he wasn't lying. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Michael Scott is a great... Uh, well, number 18, another one we both agreed on. Burt Campbell from Soap. Richard yep. Mulligan. Physical humor again. And cluelessness and not understanding how to react. He's not an asshole. Not an asshole. No, he's a very lovable uh, schmo who is who is kind of dim. Yes, and but he's like he doesn't understand what's going on, but he's there to be lovable. Yes, and he he cares about his family. He loves his family. Yes, yes. he's not. Yeah, he's not narcissistic in in that way. Um, <clears throat> oh, and he has this. It's his son who has the the ventriloquist dummy. Yes, and he does not want anybody to say anything bad about him. And he just, yeah, yeah. Even though the ventriloquist dummy is is a An terrible asshole. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, we didn't even bring up uh, Job's <laughs> ventriloquist. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, how could we forget? And that was that was last episode, I guess. I'm sorry. Yeah. So th- this is two uh, two shows with uh, ventriloquist dummies on them that we like. So I don't know what that says about us either. Franklin, we should we should have just had Franklin in yes, our... his character. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we'll have the top 100 ventriloquist dummies. Wow. I don't even know if there are. <laughs> I can think of four. I know. Franklin, whatever the name of the character from Soap. Uh, Bob. Bob. Uh, Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Schmerd. That's it. Madam? No, Madam. Madam? I don't think Madam <laughs> makes a list. Uh, Lester, <laughs> maybe, with Willie Tyler. Anyway, yeah, Burt Bert Campbell. Uh, Richard Mulligan, never topped this. Hilariously funny. <clears throat> yes. And like I said, also great physical comedian. And he was, he seemed kind of older. Like, I don't actually know how old he was when, when he was doing soap. But, um, man, he could he could bring it. I remember one yeah. scene where he was drunk or something. And he was, like, trying to step off a table. It was, yeah. You get, soap was, uh, we've discussed soap before. Um, very ahead of its time for for sitcoms. He was in his late 40s. Okay, yeah. So he was, yeah. Burt Campbell, R.I.P. Which is a real R.I.P. Yeah, no, it is. He died uh, in one of the Twin Towers. It's too bad. He was weird because he lived in Ohio. Uh, Well, he was flying the plane. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not bring that up. Number 17, Les Nessman. WKRP, another one we both agreed on. I, I, I... it took me a second to come up with what character from the show. Same here. And I, I was I was actually really happy um, <clears throat> when I saw your list and saw that you had Les Nesman as well. Because, you know, I, I think probably at the time, like, fan favorite would have been uh, Dr. Johnny Fever. Yeah, and I almost picked him. And I almost I like, picked Herb Tarlick as well. That was, the, that was the three. Those were the three. Did you almost pick Dr. Jenner or did you just get rid of him right away? Uh, it was, he wasn't. Uh, no, he was in the mix, but then then I narrowed it down to uh, Herb and, and Les Nesman. The thing with Johnny Fever is I think he's the most iconic, the one you think of when you think of the show. But he was definitely not the funniest, although there is episodes where he was really funny. Yeah, no, he was a great he was a great character as well. And Herb Tarlick is funny, too, but I think Les Nesman was just the best all around. I think so, too. And the I think that character is more timeless. Like you could have the Les Nessman character in a show now and it would be just as funny. Yeah. Johnny fever is, is kind of of his, I mean, he wasn't even of his time then he was kind of, 
you know, throwback to the 60s. Oh, he's kind of a drug burnout. Yeah, no, that's true. But I, oh, I not think they might have started the same year, actually. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. He's not the same kind of drug no, burnout. No, he's different. He's definitely more together. And Herb Tarlick is definitely a 70s, 80s creation. Yes. I mean, what do you do with him now? That, that yeah, can... he's. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no aluminum siding salesman anymore or anything. So yeah, yeah and that kind of slave to style doesn't work the same way now. Is he wearing skinny jeans? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't know what style is. But yeah, Les Nessman, very funny, very clueless, very egotistical, sort of sexist. No, not sort of. Very sexist. Yeah, sec- he's very old-fashioned in his thinking for sure. Yes. But um, lovable. Boy. Very lovable. Yes. And but I think with this character, unlike uh, Hank Kingsley, where he's a sad sack, he's a true sad sack. So you do feel sympathy for him. Yes, you do. You one hundred percent do because he's not he's not a dick out of like narcissism or anything. He's it's just no. like you know it's this is how he was brought up, and he's kind of from an earlier time and can't adjust to these times so well. Yeah, not, I don't even. I, He's not really from an earlier time, but he was brought up in an earlier time. So. Yes, yes, exactly. And and he was the kid who spent his weekends at the library instead yes. of out with friends. Yeah, no. And um, then there's, do you remember the episode where the, the the sports team thought he was gay? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Are you there? I, oh, okay. Yes, I was just thinking about what, how his reaction, I, I don't remember like how he reacted to that. I just remember like, Gordon jump Mr. Carlson being like, well, no, he's just kind of odd when he's defending him. Yeah. I think he was just a little hurt by it. Not because of any necessary, necessarily homophobia, but because, um, it, I think he kind of felt like he, he, they thought that, um, he was gay because he couldn't get a woman or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, emasculation, but also that he couldn't do his job. Like he could, I'm as manly as them. I can talk about sports as well as them, even though he couldn't. Right, right, because he was the sports guy. Right, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Well, yeah. he was just the new, the all-around news guy. Yeah, that's true. And but every time he talked about sports, you know, Chai Chai well, Roderick was. Yes, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's the famous one. <laughs> and uh, so the the sexism comes in not letting Bailey, which who was his smarter assistant. Yes do the job that she could do. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I think we're ready for 16. Yeah. Number 16, uh, Charlie from it's always sunny in Philadelphia. The best character from that show and the funniest actor from that show. And it, it's a show I love. So I'm not, it's not, that's not, it's uh, not a put down of anybody else on the show. Yeah. It's high praise. He's so funny. I, so many different things of wild card. I'm the wild card. Just funny guy. Yeah. The, uh, it's not one of wild card pitches. Go ahead. Sorry. So many, so so much energy. Yes. From that character, it's crazy. Like, I don't even know how you keep that <clears throat> level of intensity up. I consider him the most likable of them all because oh, he's kind he of is, childlike. He, yes, he is childlike. He has a heart and and an innocence. Or the other two are just the other two guys are just assholes. They're just yeah. terrible. As is D. D's uh, slightly more likable than uh, than Mac and uh, and goddamn all I can think is Glenn right now his real name but um, yeah that's weird I can't think of his name Dennis Dennis yeah but but yeah Charlie is is lovable um, you could yeah I would I would drink have a drink at a bar with Charlie I would not go anywhere near 
any of the other characters. <laughs> you know, Mac is, well, they have the whole, he's secretly, not secretly, he doesn't even know he's gay. There's that going on, but there's also that obsession with his, obsession with his father loving him. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> but Charlie's just, he, he's, he's definitely semi-retarded or, you know. But also dumb. some kind of savant in some ways, yeah. I thought, yeah, in some ways, like that episode where he, he just picks up uh, the piano right away. Yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that. I was thinking of the episode where he he's like, this is how he saves the bar every year when the health inspector comes along. Oh, right. <laughs> so he is skilled at certain things. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, from from the very first episode, you you know, it's Charlie from uh, that. That's going to be your favorite. And he remains. Yeah. And but but also that that actor is is the one that's broken out the most, and I don't know if it's by choice or what, but he's he's definitely broken out the most. Yeah, into film and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's pretty much the best part of horrible bosses. Yeah, and and again, it's not saying anything bad about the other two because oh. they're both great, and they they're all writers. I mean, I I just can't yeah. imagine how they do it. They're all hilarious, but. And I, uh, I, I thought I heard them talking on some show where they they work on, like they have other ideas coming in that they are they're talking about. They're, like, yeah, producing. They're producing. Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard of of anything they've done, but that's that's interesting that they do that as well. So I guess that's maybe what the other two concentrate on. I don't know. The Glenn was whatever his what's his name? Howerton? What's yeah. his last name? He was a, a, a character in the Mindy Kaling show for Mindy a while. Mindy Project. Yeah. Mindy Project, but. I stopped watching that, so I don't even know if he's still on it. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, all right, number fifteen, another another one we both agreed on. Jim Rockford, the Rockford, from the Rockford Files. Files. Yeah, James Garner. Awesome. Yes, another R.I.P. And this one, like, kind of like another one that we've got on our list coming up, um, a detective who's who's not like macho. Yes. He's not a Vic Mackey. No. Uh, I mean, he has a gun, but he doesn't carry it with him. Yeah. In most episodes, he's getting his ass kicked eventually at some point. Right. Most ep- a lot of episodes, he doesn't get paid. But he's he's he still is macho. Even though he's getting beat up, he's still macho. Oh, he's not. more he's more manly than the stereotypical macho <laughs> people you'd think of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting show. Well, it's definitely not to, today's show where there's no arc. There's just what's happening one episode, something right. different's going to happen the next episode. Nothing. Right. Maybe there's a few two-parters in there. I don't know, but there's no arc. I guess he has a background where he was in prison. I don't know why, but it, he got pardoned somehow. So I don't know if he didn't do it, and he got framed, or what the deal is there. But that's that's something that comes up all the time when he's trying to do like work with the police. They say, "Well, you have a record." And no, I don't have a record. I got pardoned. And uh, yeah, I, James Garner carries that show so well. I, I guess. It's he's so awesome was part of it, but the characters, well, like you say, he's he gets beat up all the time. He's he's not he's not macho. He's not like kicking people's asses. Yeah, he can it, still fight, but it's not that's not what he does. Right. It was it was very different time type of cop show or PI show, I guess. Um, yeah, especially for the time. For the time, yeah, uh, yeah. James Garner, one of the one of the greats. R.I.P. Big time for James Garner. Everybody should. I think it, I think this show holds up too. Oh yeah, I I I recommended it recently on, on one of our episodes. I've, I often when I watch it, like on Netflix, 
like I'll be watching something on TV and I'll turn on that me TV and I see that it's on and I'll watch it for a little bit and be engaged and then realize that I can watch it without commercials. Without, yeah. yeah. So I'll just put that on just, you know, just to, I'll be doing something else. I won't be watching like every second of it, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a nice show. It's a good show. Yeah. It's one of the first shows I remember even as a kid being able to watch that was not a sitcom. So that's high praise. I'd like to see like he, he, he's a very headstrong guy, James Garner. So with Rockford files near the end, it could have kept going. I think a couple things stopped that one of the major things was he was pissed off at the studio and, uh, in fact, what I read on Wikipedia, maybe, or somewhere, he was going to have a cameo on Magnum P.I., but it refused to do it because it was it was a Paramount production or whatever the studio production. Right. And he was still like in a, a heavy lawsuit with them over the years. But the same thing happened with Maverick. He was in that. I've never seen that show, and I'd like to see. I haven't either. I like I like the movie with him and Mel Gibson. Yeah, I could totally I could totally see you know James Garner just giving a very cordial fuck you to the studio. Yes. (laughs) All right. Number 14, Buster Bluth, another Arrested Development character. This is our third, I think. And final. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't put in uh, the Jeffrey Tambor character who I think, I think that would be the top four. uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. But, but but Buster definitely is, is the best spot. Yeah. He's the funniest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony Hale, never heard of him before this, but, and the only, the only real other thing I've seen him in, in a, any kind of major part. Oh no, he was on that, uh, that show, uh, dude, why is Andy he... Barker PI? Yes. All I could think of was Andy Samberg. I'm like, it's not Andy Samberg. What man, that show was good. That's like that. The, the show that, this is a show that had Andy. What's his name? Andy. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Andy Richter. God damn it. Andy Richter. Oh, I, th- I thought you couldn't think of the name of the show, but this is a show that had Andy Richter. That was good. The other show he was in the, uh, whatever controls the world was not a very Andy funny Richter. show. No, it just wasn't very good. I could see what they were trying to do, but they missed it. But, but yeah, but, the, the PI show was excellent. And I was really pissed that they, they canceled after like six episodes or oh, something. Oh, so it did air. It did air, yeah. I thought it never aired because I've seen the show, but I thought it was just like they had like pilot the, the, the six. Yeah, funny. And Tony Hale's really funny in it. Yeah. So the show is uh, a, a, an accountant moves into an office that used to be a private investigator. Right. And people and, come to him looking for help. and Yeah, and he does it. Yeah. Really funny. Anyway, uh, Buster Bluth. Yeah, and he's also great in Veep. Uh, that was my point. Like everything okay. I've seen him in, he's great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, Buster, oh my god. Maybe the most fucked up of all the Bluths in some way. I mean, he his name might as well be Mommy Issues, I guess. Yes. Uh, and Daddy Issues. And, and yeah, you, that's true. I, I, there's that whole season where it, it's heavily implied that... that uh, his uncle is his father? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and they did it so, like, they, at first it was a little subtle. And then it was more and more banging you over the head with it until right. the end. <laughs> when they're almost outright saying it. And yeah. Oh God, he gets his he gets his hand bitten off by a seal. Loose seal. A Not loose seal. A loose seal. Right. Mommy issues. And that like was. We said. And, and this is again talking more about the show, but the awesomeness of the show is when he's he he before his hand is bitten off, he goes to 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 goes to war 
he, you know, he goes to army and what army ends up being is he, I think he thought he was going to Mexico, but he just ends up living at the housekeeper's house. Yeah. And somehow they'd gotten a, a hand chair of his and he's sitting on the hand chair and then he has to leave the hand chair. He's like, I don't think I'll ever miss a chair. I miss a hand. Like I missed this hand. This yeah. Chair. Something. I didn't so think I could ever miss a hand this much. Hand. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Tony Hale. And then in early in episode or in season one, um, when he, he moves out of Lucille's house to live with uh, Michael for like one episode. <laughs> and he lets off that string of invective that's just bleeped out. And yet it's, one of the most hilarious moments on the show. They're t- they're all saying bad things about the mother and and J- uh, George or uh, um, Jason Bateman's character tries to convince them to join in, and when he joins in, their mouths are just wide open, listening to him curse over and over about her. Yeah, the oh god, yeah, Buster Bluth, uh, Tony and he Hale. loves loves giving uh, back rubs. <laughs> yeah, too bad he has a hook for a hand. <laughs> Um, and when he does it to, to Michael Sarah's character, it's just really funny. Number 13. Um, another one we both picked. Yep. Uh, go for it. Tracy Jordan. Played by Tracy Morgan. Yes, and it took me a long time to remember which, which was, was which. Name, which was I the know. character's name. I still, to this day, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it's funny because I think we've spoken, we talked about it on our 30 Rock episode. I did not like him on Saturday Night Live necessarily, except for that Brian Fellows dude um, character. But on this, he was just, he was gold, Jerry. <laughs> I the, I think his best, the best scene with him was when he was, I guess there was some drugs he was taking or some drugs he wasn't taking and he, and uh, he was, he was being Chewbacca. <laughs> yes. And then Pete came in with hair and he said, "Pass Pete." <laughs> he he played. I don't even know how to describe the character. I mean, he's dumb, but well, he's also like a savant in some ways as well. Yes, yes. Like Liz Lemon's kind of subtle racism in that one episode where she thinks he can't read, and he just like totally plays off that to to his own benefit. And what? How does he say it? It's the racism of the under unappreciated. I forget. He has like a phrase he uses. It's so funny. It's, it's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he. But you know, he he like has this image as a guy who goes out and parties with strippers every night. But he's actually very faithful to his wife. And <laughs> yes, and he wants to hide that. And one of the greatest things about him is when he he always says people's full names. <laughs> And yeah, Liz Lemon. Liz Lemon, Jack Donaghy. Yeah. What do you mean, Jack Donaghy? And uh, what's the Maroney? Uh, Jenna Maroney. Je- Jenna Maroney. He always says the full name. He's hilarious, and he also says the the most non sequitur ish shit on the whole show. Like his, he just makes n- absolutely no sense sometimes, yes. but it's always hilarious. And he, I think it's him that first talks about Doctor Spaceman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's him talking about Doctor Spaceman. So we, everybody thinks it's just made up. It's just some crazy thing, and then it turns out, oh, it's Doctor Spaceman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and his relationship with Kenneth is great. <laughs> he actually really loves Kenneth, and, and <laughs> Kenneth says, well, it, "When that one episode, what? You're my best friend. We're not best friends. We're just really good friends." Yes. He, he cries a lot, like Troy. 
on uh, Community. I, I guess Kenneth is someone he doesn't say his last name. No, he doesn't. He just calls him Kenneth, which yeah, is yeah. kind of, a I guess, a sign of something. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the uh, so and many. Crew. What's that? The, the episode where he decides to get rid of his crew is so funny. When, when he, he invites Kenneth to be a part of his crew and Kenneth starts beating him and everything. And then the two guys admit, oh yeah, we, we let you win. And he's like, I don't need you. Is a really funny episode. Yeah, he's he's great, the entire run. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably, I mean, most of the funny lines, I think the funniest lines are him or Donaghy. Yeah, um, and the funniest stuff usually happens between him and Donaghy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a good one. What are we at? Twelve. Yep, Mary Richards. Yep, we both and, agreed. And this is another one, Mary Richards, but it's in the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Ooh, spooky. Uh, yeah. What can you say? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that the, uh, just awesome, it's really funny, but also lets the funny people around her do do the work. Mary Tyler funny, Moore yeah, is an awesome actress and definitely blazing trails as we talked about in that episode where it's a career woman and didn't have to worry about family or and she was looking for love, but that wasn't the obsession of the character. Right. No, everybody's looking for love. I mean, that's. That's just the yeah. human condition, yeah. But it wasn't. Right. It wasn't all about her finding a man. Exactly. There'd be dating episodes, but there'd also be episodes where she's just at work and overwhelmed with the job that she. As the show went on, I think she got more responsibility. I think at first she was just a secretary, and then by the end of the show, she was a producer. She's a yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And then she has Lou Grant and Mary both being in love with her. And oh yeah, and Murray, yeah, of course. Well, everybody would have been in love with her. Yes. In real life. Yeah. No, so, I, I loved it. That, uh, the fact that um, she would go on dates and I swear to God, I, I don't think I'm making this up. It, it was implied that, you know, she would she would uh, have sex with some of her dates. But, you know, it was just a thing like it. It was no big deal. I, I really liked. I didn't know that. I, it might be something I, I never picked up. on. Maybe it was just one episode. Yeah, I, I can't remember. But uh, but, you know, yeah, it was a very progressive show and. And she, like you said, she could play the the sane character, or she could join in the comedy. She was always funny. Yeah. Uh, and she was especially funny when she cried. <laughs> it's something you like. Yeah. And it was a progressive show, but it wasn't a progressive show being a progressive show. It, was just right, it like, wasn't ha- hammering you over the head with yes, anything. Yes, exactly. It was a reflection of the times. You know? Yeah, it I was, think that, very much like Broad City. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't... If you don't know who Mary Richards is, and just don't, just stop listening. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, number eleven, another one we both agreed on. Fred G. Sanford. Yeah, I I almost went with Grady, and I was like, no, I can't pick Grady over Fred Sanford. <laughs> and I I would be shocked because Grady isn't even my favorite sidekick. Grady is very funny, but I think I think uh, on Esther. No, Bubba. Oh, I'm Bubba. just talking about yeah. sidekicks. Bubba, I think I think I always found Bubba funnier than Grady. Yeah, I don't know what it was about Grady that I love, but <laughs> but in the end, Fred Sanford steals the show. Yeah, yeah he really does. It's R.I.P. R.I.P. Big dummy. I don't, I don't know if there is much to say about. There's how... not. He's a junk man, and uh, he's an old junk man, and uh, he he's didn't... a bigot. He is a bigot, and he just doesn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the main thing. He just doesn't care. It's great. I wouldn't even call him an asshole either. No, I wouldn't either. He's of his time, and yeah, he's 
he is what he is. He's set in stone. Yeah, exactly. And he's really funny. Yeah. There's almost nothing to say about him either. If you haven't seen the show. You should. You should, yeah. If you have, there's no point listening to us. One of the greatest sitcom themes of all time. I would say the greatest sitcom theme of all time. It's Fred Sanford and his stupid son Lamar, their friend Grady. They live in a stank junkyard, and on Esther's bitch ass stops by too. And that's all I got. I think I've sang that one before, but it's worth singing again. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's nothing we can say about Fred Sanford. Uh, let's move on to the top ten. Uh, okay, this one was my pick. Yep. Um, and this is Don Draper from Mad Men, who I think John Hamm just does a masterful job of portraying. Um, this is a question I have for you. Yeah. I think that the show doesn't is not as good without him. I think it's not either. No, there, it's it's another case where he everybody. I should say again, everybody on this show is does a great job acting. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not just the fact that, I mean, this character, he inhibits, exhibits, he's just so perfect. I don't think anybody else could do such a good job. Yeah. Nobody else could. He, yeah, without him, it's, it's, I mean, it's still a good show because it's, it's well-written and stuff. And, and, but he's just, he is the Don Draper. Like, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think, I think you're right that it, it's well-written. I just don't think it's as it doesn't reach the level it reaches with him. He's just so awesome. Yeah. And he can, I mean, he can do it all. He can do drama. He can do, you know, there's little bits of comedy in the show. He can do, mm-hmm. um, he can, you, you feel what he feels, you know, he really brings you into it. So it, it's, it's like a, a Academy Award winning actor's job on a, on a TV show. It's pretty amazing. And the character. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say the character itself is is complex and you know anti-heroish, but not to the point of of um, like you know he's not evil. He's just right. flawed. Um, yes, yes. Maybe severely flawed, but yeah. What were you going to say? What do you think comes next for John Hamm? I don't know. He's so good in this. Uh, Viv and I were talking about him um, doing comedy because I you know I think he's very funny, um, but she says she she would like to see him do more drama because he's so good in Mad Men and, and he should get, I don't he should be getting bigger film roles or something. That's I, what I, I was think. thinking, like leading man roles. And he yeah. hasn't gotten that yet. He was in the, he was very good, but it was a small part in the town. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got the talent obviously, and he's got the look too. I mean, he's classic leading man look. Yeah. Maybe his wife will write something for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, she already has once. It well, I, I mean, was he didn't have, she didn't write him in a starring role, did she? No, it was an ensemble yeah. piece. Yeah, it was well, it was that was the Adam Scott. Yeah, yeah. Who's who was the woman in that movie? I don't remember. It, well, his wife. Oh, she was the star too. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Um. Yeah, number ten. So I, I, I think I feel good about him being in the top ten. Oh yeah, I do too. Number nine is your pick. Yes, someone was only my list and. It's Joel from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and a lot. This he's really, really funny. He's a really funny guy. He, he Joel Hodgson, Hod, Hodgson. Hodgson, yeah. He played a part in creating the show and creating all like the props and stuff, and that. And it's also a nostalgic pick. It was one of my favorite things to watch in high school and college, and just 
very funny. The show went on when he left, and it was still good. But it was I thought it was better when he was there. It was hundred kind percent of, better. Yeah. You just uh, I didn't know you watched it. I, I forgot about. Oh, I, I loved sure. it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he was just really sweet, like the way the way he carried himself, and just his voice, just kind of like a. When you yeah. thought about the like the aspect of the show where like the like the the fiction of the show that he's stuck on the space station, you felt really bad when you watched Joel. He's like, oh, I wish he could get home. <laughs> yeah. He's just so wistful the way he talks. Like, yeah, oh, he's, all right. You know, classic Minnesotan, <laughs> just solid good dude. Yeah. So the, the Joel years are my favorite years, and I think he's great in the show and Me really too. funny. And the way he talks to the the puppets too was really sweet. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one thing I really loved about um, him and the whole the whole series really was that um, they're watching these terrible movies, but the jokes they make aren't really mean spirited. They're just funny. Like, yes, yes, they're gonna make jokes about like the quality, of, you know, if it's really just terrible sets and whatever. But like, they're not. It's just super funny. They always find the funny rather than having to just rely on mocking the the shittiness of the of the thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. or the actors or whatever yeah no and really i did enjoy the movie parts but i enjoyed the stuff outside the movies just as much if not more oh did you i really love the movie parts the best because they it was so joke heavy yeah um, yeah and well the movies that i the i were my favorite when they did the um like the public service announcement. Oh, movies. me too. I loved all those. Yeah. Those, those were so much better than the, the full length movies. I think part of the problem with me watching the full length movies, I would get too interested in the story of the movie. <laughs> I think part of the problem for me with the full length movies is it just becomes too much jokes. You know I mean? It's yeah. funny, but like it, you get, you get to like a critical mass and then you start getting burned out a little bit. Well, it was a two hour show, right? Right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. He, that's a good one. Like I, I didn't even think of him because I didn't really think of him as a character. I guess, but yeah, I guess he he also started out doing like really surreal uh, stand-up comedy. Oh, did he? Yeah, I thought he was a prop comic. Like very conceptual. It what he did use props, but I think he was very conceptual with it. Like okay, it wasn't, it wasn't uh you know, carrot top. Yeah. So, um, all right, number eight, my pick. Surprisingly, only my pick, Bill McNeil from News Radio. So funny. Yeah, I, I guess I just don't... News radio doesn't pop into my head first when I think of TV shows, even though it's really funny. So I yeah. think that's why. But yeah, Phil Hartman, RIP. Big RIP. The, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of a theme with our favorite characters at this point, I guess, that a narcissistic blowhard, uh, kind of an asshole, um, and kind of clueless, but 100% likable. Yes. No matter what he's doing, 100% likable, more than anybody else, I would say, of the of these assholes on the list. Um, and I don't know. Again, what can you say? Like the comic timing is like perfection. Yeah. And the line readings are perfection. Like he's, oh man, I know. I get. He's just great. You everybody should watch news radio because it holds up. Yeah, um, and well, especially Phil Hartman. Like, if you could just watch Phil Hartman. Yeah, look for just, like, somebody's got to have put together a compilation of He's Phil so Hartman funny. clips from news radio. Yeah. I think Ted Baxter is just as likable, though. That's true, yeah. He he is he is the modern-day Ted Baxter. The only the only one who could even compare with him, I guess. Um, yeah, Bill McNeil. Um, all right, what do you got for number seven? 
someone who's not an asshole, but is eminently likable. Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Yes. Such a wonderful character. It's just, I, I, I we talked about it when we talked about the finale, but I, I think it's so wonderful that Amy Poehler's turned that character into someone that inspires the kids. Like that, that episode where I was watching and I was going on, like I rewatched it and, and no, as I was watching it during the commercials, because I watched it live, I went on Twitter and I watched like all these re- retweets from Amy Poehler's Smart Girls group. And it was like all these kids watching the show and like, be like a Leslie Nope, like be, <laughs> help your community, be positive. You can do things. It's so, it's just so neat that they, that she turned this character who started off as being a Michael Scott knockoff and turned it into this positive, happy funny 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 character and it's just awesome yeah and in fairness i knew you would pick her which is why i didn't pick her but uh but i, I can't, oh yeah i forgot it was my choice yeah i can't remember if we talked about it on air or not but I, we probably talked about it on air but yeah just the fact that this show was like a sweet nice show without any like sarcastic irony layer over it or um or mean-spiritedness yeah any mean-spiritedness was was just concentrated all in april and that's the only place it was. The rest of the show was just happy. Right. Well, uh, well, everybody was kind of mean to Jerry, but that was funny. It didn't. It didn't really <laughs> even come off as mean because he didn't care. Um, but yeah, it was I, just like a nice show without being like treacly or cloying. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very weird. I can't even think of another example like this. So yeah, everything, everything other shows do do bad, they did right. Like their love story was spot on, perfect. Adam Scott, Leslie, or uh, yeah, you believe that you. I, you believe yes. them as a couple like they yeah they would have gotten together and that's exactly how they would have been as a couple yeah and i mean leslie nope had other love interest but none of them worked nearly as well i mean the the louis c carry uh sheriff character it was fun while that lasted but it was clear that they weren't meant for each other like like leslie and, and ben wyatt it was yeah. just so perfect yeah and we uh, our love of amy poehler is not uh is on the record so which is, it's just so funny because I was, I think you liked her in Saturday Night Live. I'd never, not once did I see Saturday Night Live when she was on it. So when Parks and Rec came, I had no background to what she was like. Oh, yeah. Maybe I saw her in something else. But uh, yeah, I did see her. I had, I think, Daddy, uh, Baby Daddy came before Parks and Rec. But whatever. I didn't have, you know, I didn't know what, I didn't. You had no yes. background with her, yeah. And no she's history. Fun. And she's great. I can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah, me too. Um. All right. Well, she's doing another, writing another movie with Tina Fey, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's be fun. So I'll look forward to that. Uh, number six, my pick, Omar Little from The Wire. Omar coming, y'all. Uh, a, also, uh, President Obama's favorite character from The Wire. That's not even a joke. Uh, a guy who robs drug dealers for their money. Um, so maybe not, you know, the most likable character, but but a total badass and somebody you end up caring about, which is something that happens in a in the wire with a lot of really disreputable characters. Um, which was the genius of the wire that it could make you see these drug dealers as people um, rather than just as criminals, you know. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and he does a great job in the portrayal. Uh, like we said, he ended up on community later he's done a few other things but but omar's iconic nobody's gonna yeah that's how he's gonna be remembered forever and that's that's a good thing i think did you know he was based on a real guy yeah yeah 
I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I think David Simons went to pains to point that out because it seems so unlikely a, a character. But Oh, okay. Yeah. I, have to, I have to watch this show. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Um, because you'll you will fall in love with Omar as well. Um, yeah, one of the great characters in all of modern fiction to me. So, um, all right. Are we up to, wait. Number five. Number five. We're in the top five. Yep. Columbo. No first name. Played by Peter Falk perfectly. Uh, we both pick him as well, I should say. Uh, like Jim Rockford, I think that's who you're referring to when you said another one who doesn't, never has to like re- resort to violence. Yep, that's exactly it. And uh, I mean, the show started with, was like, a, what, how do you call it? Like an upside down mystery because you know who did it. Right. The, it's more about figuring out how Columbo figured Figures it out. But it really... Out. Yeah. That the most important thing is the portrayal, like Peter Falk's portrayal of this character is what's like, it doesn't matter if, how he figures out what matters is how much you enjoy watching him interact with everyone in the show. Yes. That's the thing, right? It's, it's Peter Falk's portrayal. That's why Columbo is such a great character. In fact, there's some episodes, I mean, there's some episodes where he is so friendly with, with, with the murderer by the end, both you and he feel bad that he has to arrest him. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's the great thing about him. He, like we said with, uh, Rockford, he uses his mind right? More, and he's always very amiable. He, you know, a lot of, a lot of the episodes end with, you know, he's talking to him like he's just having a conversation, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, oh, by the way, could you clear this one thing up for me? <laughs> and that leads to their downfall. Um, and I, there is, but on top, the other side of that, to go with, to another actor we talked about earlier, Leonard Nimoy, the act, the episode with him is one of the few I remember where Peter Fox Colombo got angry, and that was pretty awesome as well. Yes, yeah, I remember too. Well, Peter Fox just such a great actor, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. So this is a great show. I think uh, I'll probably use the show as a recommendation someday because... It's it's so great, and he, but the character is what carries it. And he, really, there's some characters that carry over from episode to episode. The show ran forever. It was a different kind of – the way they ran the show was different. It didn't run once a week. I think it ran maybe once a month. It was part of the CBS or like ABC. Like Mystery Night or something. Yeah, Mystery yeah. Theater. And uh, the other shows were not nearly as memorable. There was McMillan and Wife was one. I think there's another one called McLeod. Yeah. It was like a, a Texas guy who's in New York. Anyway, it was like a, a movie. Movie length shows, so right. it wasn't a regular, a One regular hour, show. And I, yeah, I, and I think that's due to Peter Falk not wanting to do a regular run. He just wanted a shorter run, and they just built the other shows around it to make it an event. So it's not the same kind of thing as other shows. You're not going to be able to find as many episodes, and they don't have regular characters. So there's a couple characters to carry over, like um, Bruno Kirby's father played his assistant in a bunch of episodes, but it's not. They're not nearly as 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 big of a deal as Columbo. Columbo is carrying every every show. Yeah, it's all about Columbo and right and I, the guest star. Yeah, just thinking about it, I, I, I've never seen Peter Falk in anything where he wasn't great. Yeah, that's um, true. All right, uh, number four, we shared Columbo. Number four is my pick, uh, Tony Soprano. I, I feel like he had to be on the list. Uh, did you did you think I would pick him or did you just like not? consider him i i i thought you would pick him and i just didn't i like the character a lot but i don't think i would like him i probably would have put him in top 100 but yeah i knew you'd take him yeah yeah well it it just it 
changed, you know, TV shows for the better, this, mm-hmm. this show. And I just thought James Gandolfini, another one like Peter Falk, uh, or, or Phil Hartman, or a lot of these, these people um, we're talking about, uh, just so perfect, uh, you know, John Hamm, so perfect in yeah, the... Yeah, that's so I'd compare him directly John, to John Yeah, Hamm, John Hamm. Because uh, he's, he's in this role that's really well written, and he makes it better. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's another one where, like, literally no one else could have done this with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people did start sympathizing with him too much, and, and the creator, David Chase, you know, was like, uh, no, let's throw something in to remind you guys what a total scumbag uh, and murderer this dude is. Yeah, I think that's the problem I have with the character. Yeah, the no, people, I can... not not the character itself, but people's reaction to the character. Because even when they when he would throw that in and make him into, they still would. It would, would still be... be like, "Fuck yeah, Tony Soprano." Yeah, yeah and, I, and I don't, I I don't think that was what Gandolfino was going for. Oh, or think... David Chase, but but right, but I don't hold that against them. I hold that against the dummies watching the show exactly i agree um, in, entirely yeah and and you know there's just there's hardly a better example of modern tv acting you know you got uh you got brian cranston with walter white and i think john ham uh with don draper but for you know for serious dramatic acting on tv uh i don't think you know that that's the top three for me um and and I never, I always knew Tony was a scumbag. Uh, and so to me, the show was interesting and the character was interesting um, for what he did with that and the way he made you sympathize in little ways while still remembering, oh, this guy's just a straight up criminal. And I think sometimes you'd feel like, why? Why can't you be a good guy? Yeah, because you could see he One had... like you. Yeah, he, he could have had it in him at some point Yeah, to yeah, be a good I mean... guy. But, you know, he, I mean, this is what he was born into. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah just, just excellent, excellent uh, character and R.I.P. James Gandolfini. All right, we are up to number three, and this was your pick alone. I'm sad I didn't think of this one, but. Stephen Colbert, the character, yes. not the actor. Stephen Colbert started the, what's, what was this? I can't even remember what his show was called. Stephen, what, uh, Strangers with Candy? No, no, I mean the Stephen Colbert show. Was it called the Stephen Colbert show? What the Colbert Report? Colbert Report. Yeah. <laughs> Started off as like he was over the top on the Daily Show, and they said we're going to have a, just as a joke the Colbert Report. Right. They did little bitch. trailers for it, fake trailers. Right. Yeah. And it was just a, a joke, and everybody, not everybody, I didn't know, but a lot of people thought that the show would be like just too much. You can't do have that so much satire. There's no way you can carry that off. But he did. He carried it for what was it? Only ten years? Yeah, forever. Ever for every episode was funny. He was such he's so awesome and, and just so this Stephen Colbert character that was just the far right making fun of of Bill O'Reilly types, and it was just spot on over and over again. And not only was it funny, but it was bringing up relevant like political points that needed to be bringing up, like about political action committees and about how things are done. And he was he testified in front of char- in, in front of Congress in character. It's. That's the amazing thing. Like to me, being able to improvise and be funny is hard enough, but then to be able to do it in character, yeah, is like you've got to just put your brain in a whole different place. Yeah, that that congressional testimony was hilarious too, and I, I remember listening to it. I'm like, why can't I hear people laughing at this? But then <laughs> you could see people laughing. I think it was just it was just the audio was basically his microphone. So, 
So I, I don't know. I don't remember. Do you think? Do you think he was asked to go before Congress in character, or is that just what ended up happening? I feel like it just ended up happening. Did you see yeah. his? Uh, what is it? The the uh, oh the fucking thing where, that he did with Bush. The you know the press. Yes, that and that's that was one of the bravest, awesomest things ever. I mean, they pick people to to make fun of the president, but I don't think people and not only the president i think the impressive thing is not only did he make fun of the president but he made fun of the press and that's why it wasn't a big deal that's why people didn't like it because the people reporting on it didn't want to be made fun of right but he, it, it was such a perfect time because the press were ignoring so many important things and yeah that was awesome his his appearance there the the, the white house press conference or press yeah called, i know i can't remember press uh, dinner yeah the yeah i mean what other character has actually uh, sparked so many real life things, you know, he, he dealt with real issues and, but he was hilarious the whole time, which I think should be hammered home. Like that's the real, that's the real skill Mm -hmm. to make people be able to laugh at this shit and get, uh, interested in politics. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Colbert, Colbert, RIP the character. He's with Santa now. That's true. He is with Santa and Alex Trebek, so that's eh, kind of a win lose. So, uh, not that I really pay attention or even watch the show anymore, but have they? I thought they picked a replacement for Alex Trebek, the guy from the Today Show, but I wasn't sure if that was just a rumor. Or Nothing's come of it yet. Yeah. No. Okay. So I thought he was leaving presently, but he's still there. No, he's still. There. Shit. What else are you gonna do, man? I don't even. I, I figured he'd be there till he died. Yeah, I heard the rumor too, but I, I. That's all it is, as far as I know, right now. Okay. Uh, all right, we're down to the top two, and these are uh, both of these we both agreed on. Uh, number two, maybe, you know, maybe shocking to some people, but uh, I stand by this one. Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars. Show ended too too soon. They got to come back with a movie. Movie was just as good as the show. There's not there's two novels out. I only read none of them. Yeah, I haven't either. But uh, but I I should check them out. I mean. I like him, and you know he's back with Eye Zombie. Um, hopefully, there'll be another Veronica Mars movie at some point. I think it did pretty well. Yeah, I, I, well, I think the Kickstarter helped it do pretty well. So if they could do another Kickstarter, they probably could make another one. But yeah, uh, she's been in a lot of other stuff since then. I think she's much more famous now than she was. Well, obviously, it was only yeah, it was yeah. a TV show on the CW. But her her talent made this show better. Again, like like Tony Soprano and like Don Draper. Veronica Mars' character is made by Kristen Bell. Nobody else could play that character. Nope, nope. she is. And and uh, I like iZombie, the new show, but even she is not, you know, she's not, she's not doing what Kristen Bell did with this character, which is a tall order anyway. You can't expect yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, she's good, but, I mean, it's it's also very different because she's playing this kind of a monster. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, let's, they're both good. Uh, but but she, Kristen Bell is just awesome and came out of nowhere this you know, she did as far as I knew. I'd never heard of her before. Yeah, um, yeah. The show came out of nowhere. I didn't see it until later because I assumed it was like some dumb teen show. And it is not. Nope. Um, she solves mysteries. She is another, th- seems to be another theme with our list, is a woman who kicks a lot of ass. Yes. Um, and is also victimized in a very harsh way, but uh, does not play the victim, which is right. awesome. And... Uh, I mean, it's not that she, 
she just totally disregards it, but you know, it's, it doesn't define her in any way. No, um, but she, she does have to work through it. I mean, that's the the whole point of the first seasons. Right. One of the whole points is finding her rapist. Yes. Which, uh, but the way they handle it is just so awesome. Um, like I said, she's not, she's not like breaking down all the time and crying, but she is dealing with it and it, it has affected her. Yes. I mean, it's definitely affected her by virtue of the fact that she's just kind of turned off. Yes. Yeah. Like she's, she t- turned herself off emotionally. Yes, exactly. Like that's one of the reasons that she's taken instead of concentrating on school. One of the unstated reasons that she's taking the detective work is to close herself off from the rest of rest of the world. Right, but she can't because uh, she makes a new friend, a new couple friends actually, uh, that are outside her old clique of uh, of the golden children of, right. of the high school. Um, yeah, and it's a, she's a, still more closed off than she would have been, and I think that's yes, that's a, it's yes. a really well written show. No, totally, and uh, and as I I think I talked about on the on the episode, uh, you know, I I had thought it was going to be a dumb, a, like just a dumb teen show, you know, um, like a nine hundred two one zero type thing, which it wasn't. But the reason I think it didn't hit bigger was because like adults thought it would be a teen show and then teens who watch it expecting a teen show got a more adult show. So right, yeah. it was, uh, it was really hard to market, I think, but, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a game changer. Like I, who knew the CW? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm watching a bunch of shows in the CW too. Yeah. That's probably more than I've ever watched. Um, cause I didn't even watch Veronica Mars when it was on. Like I said, yeah, yeah. She's, she's worthy of number two. Uh, in my opinion, uh, number one, I don't more know. worthy. Yeah, this this will be no surprise to people who know us. A bunch of people probably be mad at us for it, but fuck them. Yeah, Chris Peterson from Get a Life, as played by Chris Elliott. Yes, and uh, no one else could play this character. Definitely nobody else could play this. Nobody even is in the same ballpark to be able to play this. Uh, we we did a whole episode on Get a Life. Uh, so you know you know but this this was also i mean this was a new wave of comedy that has like continued to this day it its influence yeah and for sure not watched at the time really except by you and me uh, and the people making the shows that are influenced by it yeah yeah it's like the velvet underground thing where not many people bought the album but everybody who did started a band yeah the this style of humor has come into vogue Jesus Christ, 25 years later, you know? Um, well, it started earlier than that. Yes, well, slowly. It, it influenced everything. Gradually, yeah. Um, Remaking Get a Life right now, who do you cast? Tony Chris, Hale as Chris Peterson. Oh, man. I just don't think you can recast Chris Peterson. That's that's the thing. I, I mean, know, but you're being forced to. You just go back to Chris Elliott. He's still alive. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it... I think a lot of people, maybe if they're watching it for the first time, can't appreciate it as much just because, as we said, it, the the style of humor has been so massively influential um, at this point that it, it maybe doesn't seem as groundbreaking. But um, yeah, if going on a Sunday night, it was it was nobody understood what the hell was going on. Yeah, there there was no way. I'm surprised it lasted two seasons. Um well, but, it would have only lasted six episodes on any other network. Yeah, that's true. It was on Fox, luckily, in the in the beginning, or close to the beginning of Fox. So right, yeah, they let so it go. I'm, but it had yeah. the pedigree. It had 
uh, as we said, Bob Odenkirk wrote for it. Um, oh, God damn it, what's his name? The dude who mm. did Adaptation and... Oh, right. Yeah, I forget his name. Yeah. Um, well, you, you guys know. Synecdoche, New York. Yeah, that, that dude. Um, he wrote on it. And oh, Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman, yeah. Just... We we had both watched Chris Elliott on uh, the Late Show with David Letterman doing his weird characters on there. Late Night with David Letterman. Yeah, uh, and and this was an extension of that and in, pulled into sitcom form. And at the same time, it was uh, a parody of the sitcom form. And uh, it was just genius all the way around. And he was genius. And speaking of unlikable characters. <laughs> I don't know how you could like Chris Peterson. No, you couldn't. He's terrible. And yet I did. Yes. As yes. we talked about on the episode, in a weird way, I related to him in some weird way. Like, it. Yeah. This is not, maybe not something to admit out loud. Not only, not only was he a despicable character, but his parents were even more despicable. And you should understand them being like that because he's hateful. Why, why would his parents be nice to him? But it's, they still felt a little despicable. Why are you being so, so mean to Chris? Yeah. <laughs> he's like me. Yeah. I, his dad basically wished for his death yes. on a number of occasions. Um, and he did actually die in a number of episodes. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was the closest thing to a live action Looney Tunes cartoon you could get, except, uh, I don't know, with the darkness turned up to 11. Yeah, and a little more sexual. Slightly, which, <laughs> just because of his character was also always a creepy kind of sexuality anyway. <laughs> yes. So, it's uh, it's definitely not for everybody, but it was the same thing uh, in 1990 when it came on as The Young Ones was for me in the 80s, where, you know, you were surrounded by different strokes and all this, uh, you know, crap sitcoms. And then you see this thing from Britain, you're like, what the fuck? Why can't we do this over here? Um, I felt the same way on with Get a Life. Why? Yeah. Why can't? Why can't this be sitcom comedy? Yeah, and this was a show that I I had really anticipated. So it's nice that it, it came through and was yeah. as good as it was. Yeah, me too. Is, Just from uh, David Letterman, I anticipated. Right. Right. Yeah. His scenes, and then Cabin Boy came, and I liked it. I liked it too. I mean. I, I know it's not the greatest movie of all time, but uh, it did, definitely didn't deserve the the panning and critical reception or and uh, audience reception it got. I feel sad listening to Adam Resnick talk about it, though. Yeah, me too. Well, it's... it really it really it really affected him more deeply than it, it would have someone else. I guess maybe he's a little more neurotic. He oh, he's There's... definitely more neurotic. We've both read his book, um, but yeah, it really soured him on because yeah, cause on the whole creative process in a way. <laughs> So, because apparently it was originally going to be directed by Tim Burton, right? And they were going to get a lot more money for for budget. But I don't know why that would make any difference. It wouldn't make it funnier. No, and I thought it was fine. You know, they still yeah. had the the flying tobacco spitting cupcake, and and they had a cameo by David Letterman. Yeah, his only acting role. Um, no, that's not true. Oh, he was on an episode of Seinfeld too. Was he? Yeah, he called Jerry. Tell him he couldn't he, be on the show. I was thinking of the that he was not on an episode of Mark and Mindy where he played this evil guy. Oh, did it? Well, that was before he was David Letterman, though, right? Oh, well, I see what you're saying. Okay. I guess, yeah, yeah. I didn't remember that though. Anyway, uh, yeah, Chris Peterson, number one. I, 
I like this top 10 list for sure. I think we, we kind of nailed it with that. I, yeah, I agree. All over the place. You got drama. Well, you have drama. And, uh, well, oh, I no, did do Bill I, McNeil. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I thought all the drama choices were yours, but Columbo was mine. No, so, that yeah. was both of ours. Right. Okay. Right. No, yeah. no. I was just, just oh, right, right. I see. Dramatic, but Columbo and Veronica Mars, I did have a part of choosing, and they were both dramatic. Yeah. But anyway, yes, great top 10. I wouldn't. Oh, maybe I would, but I do like the top 10. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. A hundred whole goddamn characters. And you're welcome. You are welcome. And please don't write to us with your uh, suggestions of who should have been in. Because we don't no, care. I will actually welcome that. Yeah, I no, I would like to, because I'm sure there's some we just like totally neglected to think of. Um, yeah, so. I, I would rather that than telling us why people shouldn't be on the list. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure we'll, somebody out there wants Jesse from Breaking Bad on the list, and I can't argue that. Right, or Uncle Jesse from Full House. Yeah, can I, can I, oh, there, can't wait for that to come back. I, that cannot be coming back, dude. I don't, that had to be an April Fool's Day joke. Um, what's all hope? What are, what are they going to do? They're going to bring back uh, the Olsen twins and uh, have them like be planted trees in the apartment. I don't know. Well, my big question work? is if if it comes to the Olsen twins, actually, like, will they play twins? Like, they can't. So, which twin is going to come back for the show? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Whichever one's not hooked up to an IV at the moment, I guess. No, they're not. That's Lindsay Lohan. Oh. Uh, what, what, they're going to get the other, like, the crazy Christian, uh, Kurt Cameron sister back on there? Wait, and wasn't one of the sisters, like, rehab? Yeah, she was all on meth and stuff, but I think she's, she's got her shit figured out now. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Not that I care, but that's good. Anyway, uh, I actually won't be watching that. I'll watch Coach re, re, return before that. Well, it's not going to happen, so you won't, of course you won't be watching it. I, I'm going to look this up because I can't believe anybody would even suggest such a thing. But uh, then I can't believe they would suggest Coach either. Although that show was on the air for like 17 years somehow. I, I don't know why. The Full House reboot isn't a short thing yet. Yeah, but I know it's not. Line, it's, Netflix it's, is very close to ordering a continuation of the 90s classic. No matter what they do with it, it's going to be dumb. They're either going to be making fun of the way well, it was look, in the 90s. They, they have some hot synopsis here. Full House is what the name they're thinking of, Fuller House. Yeah, that's clever. Would, would follow the eldest Tanner daughter, the the crazy Christian, and her longtime best friend, Kimmy, as they tackle the ups and downs of raising full houses of their own. And, of course, other former cast members, including Bob Saget, John Stamos, and Dave Coulet, are in talks to make potential guest appearances during the show's 13-episode run. So they are getting the crazy Christian Cameron sister on there. It doesn't sound like the Olsen twins are involved in any way. <laughs> Why should they be? They're probably, they're probably going to be producers, you know, <laughs> get out their pocket change and pay for the whole damn thing and make a boatload of money. Uh, wow. I, I'm surprised Dave Coulet's dating to come back to TV though. <laughs> Why? Does it, is the pizza place he runs uh, take it's up? Pretty profitable. Yeah. 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 And they don't give you refills on Pepsi. So it's even more profitable than most pizza places. Ah, uh, Dave Coulier. Uh, he's still basking in that Alanis Morissette fame. Cut that out. Um, wait, he's not a Scientologist, is he? I don't think so. Okay, good. We should be safe then. Wait, did you see that Going Clear movie? No. Did you watch it? No, I haven't seen it either. 
I've seen the the fallout from it. The, the, the fucking miles and miles of commercials for Scientology on TV. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, dude, almost. I, the other night I saw like six commercials for Scientology. One of them was like, he was a he was an inventor. He was a blah blah blah. And it was <laughs> like Elron. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all at the end. It was like his name was Elron Hubbard. But like the last thing they said was like, he had a license for boating. He could draw, He could take a boat, sail a boat anywhere uh, on the ocean. I'm like, yeah, lots of people can do that, dude. That's not really <laughs> well. You're kind of digging now. <clears throat> uh, but we should stop talking about this immediately before we get cut off. Yes. All right. Oh, I think their power's waning since the, since the thing came out. Thing came out, and then more people came out, and like not as many Scientologists to come out as com- to complain as I thought would. They've been almost not silent, but the the criticism they've they've offered has been like te- toothless. Well, yeah, it's hard to argue against actual facts. Well, yeah, but they I think they just used to do a better job of arguing. Their, well, they used to just losing. sue the shit out of everybody. That's yeah, true too. Did, but did you see the Twitter? I think it's just so bad. The Twitter account. Did you see the Twitter account that was that was like going strong the night that the show premiered? No. They had image after image of people sleeping in movie theaters, and they would have that image up and say this is what people are like while they watch the movie <laughs> that's uh yeah that's some pretty potent propaganda there scientology <laughs> yes. or dianetics or whatever the fuck you... oh it's scientology um yeah uh, i don't know man i i guess they apparently have uh, some high-ranking members that are just like chained to radiators somewhere uh being given bread and water who people haven't seen for years maybe they'll come out and i don't know it's over. What are you gonna do? I mean, it's on the it's on the decline. I would imagine. Yeah, they say the the well, like ninety two or something like that was the the height the height of their popularity and the amount of people they could claim legitimately as members. Because they, I I think they claim anyone who's ever come in to do one of their audits is counted as a member, even if they never ever come back. Right. You like people in the subway stations and shit, even. Yeah. yeah. You want a stress test? <laughs> Maybe think of a better way. I mean, actually, that is a pretty smart way to try to get people into your cult, I guess. Well, that's what they say. When you first enter the cult, none of the craziness is there. Of course. And, and the things they act, they have you do are like proven good methods to get around stress and problems in your life. They're like they're tried and true methods that other like psych- psychology. Uh, right. The the one part the do. one part of the whole cult where they actually use science. Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, there's that. But if you want to get more, you have to pay. And then the more you pay, the more you feel like. Anyway, I think we can stop talking about Scientology. Yeah, let's, let's do it. That's a pleasant, pleasant discussion we've had. Recommendations, Asians, Asians. Yeah, Asians. you go first. I'm still thinking. I'm going to do two. One is the recently released Daredevil streaming show. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. And I have to admit that I watched two last night. And as I watched the second it was the third episode of the show, the second of the night. I started to feel bad and felt like I'm going to be watching this whole thing too fast. So I hope I'm able to watch the whole thing without stopping. But I can't guarantee that. But it's been awesome. Well, that's really not really well, in your nature, is it? Really well acted, well written. And yeah, I can't wait till we see more Kingpin. So far, it hasn't been much. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I want to check uh, that out. Is Bullseye going to be in it as well, or is it all Kingpin? Do you know? I, I think in the first season, it's all Kingpin. Okay. I don't think bring any but they're talking about later seasons bringing lecture and, bull, and uh, bullseye in so that's that and i also want to recommend 
This is a comic book I've never looked at before. It's long running and it's written by Brian Hussein and some other comedian called Deadpool. Yeah. And I, I, I you've read it? No, I haven't, but I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Paul Shear just did a. Yeah, that's why I picked up. There's a there's a. And issue so did that, Scott Ackerman, I believe. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I picked it up because Ackerman did it, and there's a couple other guest writers, but it was like the death of Deadpool. Last the last issue, I'm sure they'll bring him back. Really funny, really funny stuff. Uh, <clears throat> the the main plot written by Brian Posehn and the other guy was funny, and then there was other stories. One by Paul Shear, one by Jason Manzukis, one by Scott Ackerman, one by the guys from Thrilling Adventure Hour, and I think there's a couple more that i don't remember and those little stories were fun too and then there's a final story written by brian Poussin and the other guy that that was really funny it was the lost story from the the infinity wars series from the 90s and in this <laughs> issue they have Thanos riding around in a helicopter and just that made me laugh so <laughs> great oh cool great yeah I, want, I, I definitely want to check that out that's out now then i assume yeah it came out on wednesday okay um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to recommend, uh, just cause I, I didn't really have anything, uh, in the, in the barrel, um, since spoiler where we recorded both these episodes on the same day. Um, and I already did one, but you know, the, uh, the Vince Guaraldi trio who did the music for the, uh, peanut specials because, uh, I, I found out when I was taking my studio recording class that the studio we, we were using, they had recorded all that, uh, soundtrack stuff there. And uh, it's good, fun music. Linus and Lucy, that's the one you know. And the whole album is good. I think I picked up, I already had the Christmas one, but I think there's another one that has Linus and Lucy that's even better. Yeah, so, I got, yeah. I've got. i got the Christmas one, and then I've got, yeah, another one as well, yeah. It's um, great stuff. I don't know if, if, like, what happened to them after that. Yeah, I don't either. Shit, they made their money and retired. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. That's exactly what I'm doing as soon as I make some money anything i am going to get to go on a sabbatical next year which really yeah if you're there 10 years you get six weeks sabbatical awesome yeah is that when you're going to europe or is that no we're going to europe this year i'm I'm thinking of doing like maybe going on a little trip and then doing a staycation and and working on writing oh that would be nice yeah 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 because it's not like uh vip can get off for six weeks yeah exactly um yeah Anyway, yeah, that's my recommendation. So, uh, of course, by the time you take your sabbatical, it'll be time to go for a new job. It'll be time for me to retire, pretty much. Well, that's true too. Um, Vince Guaraldi died in 1976 at the age of 47. There Sorry. you go. That's what. Ha- oh, 47. That's young. Mm-hmm. And he lived a full life. He scored Peanuts cartoons. Um, all right. Well, I'll, here I'll oh. try to do it this time. Let me see. Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail dot com. Uh, rate us highly on iTunes. Don't give us a bad rating. We're nobodies. Uh, we can't afford the bad ratings like some of these bigwigs can, where they have thousands and thousands of ratings. Literally, it's the least you can do. You don't have to write anything. Just click five stars. Go on and click five stars, man. It takes you one second. Well, plus the five hours it takes uh, iTunes to open on your computer. Uh, I said write to us, rate us. Oh, uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, we post, we don't, we don't spam you with uh, daily Facebook bullshit. Uh, it'll just be once a week, you know, what what song we played on the episode and, and stuff like that. And the recommendations, and if something relevant comes up, we put it up. But it's definitely right. not daily. Yeah, we, so, sh- yes. we should probably put um, our, our 50 episodes. Well, no, we'll make people listen. 
Why should we yeah. give him the characters? Um, yeah, and uh, and that's it. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you have an idea for a show, write to us again at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Any reason you want to write, you're welcome. Yeah, whatever. Your, uh, your long underwear giving you rash? You can write to us about it. We'll offer some advice. Maybe don't wear the long underwear. I mean, you think you think of that on your own, but if you need to write to us about that, be our guest. And I guess that does it. So uh, this was fun doing these top 100. Very. Yeah. Um, and next time, I think I think next week we're gonna do some Daredevil. Maybe we maybe we can do Daredevil comic versus a TV show. But we'll see. Maybe we'll just stick to the comics. Anyway, uh, until next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Listen to reason, season is calling Stand in the place where you live Now face no Think about direction, wonder why you have it now Stand in the place where you were Now face well Think about the place where you live, wonder why you have it Where you live, wonder why you haven't Stand in the place where you